Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a one-with-one horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. You might be saying to yourself, Sunday night or Monday morning or whatever day it is, there was just a You Are Not Alone episode a few days ago, and you're right. But this is a very special episode. I got to sit down with Brian Sago and play the amazing game he currently has on Kickstarter, Butter Princess. Butter Princess is a rooted-in-trophy game that uses a modified version of the trophy dark rules to tell the story of the gastronomical and agricultural horrors of the Minnesota State Fair. Each character is a fairgoer who has some goal tied to the Butter Princess, a bust carved from 90 pounds of top-quality Minnesota butter. It mixes horror, comedy, and a heist into a tale perfect for one session at your table. At the time I'm recording this, Butter Princess has 16 days left on the campaign, and is at three times what Brian originally asked for. The game is pretty much done, so the PDFs will be going out right after the campaign ends, and the physical copies will be close behind it. I cannot recommend this game enough. I got to run it for a full group in addition to the session you're about to hear, and it was amazing both times. This is a special episode, so I'm not going to do any of the normal front matter. We're just going to jump right into the buttery goodness. Joining me to play Butter Princess this week is the creator. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Doing well. How are you doing, Blaine? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I was really excited to get a chance to play this again. Thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Just to start, I guess, tell, uh, tell the listeners a little bit you know, who you are, uh, what you do, and where on the interwebs uh, they can find your work. Oh, good question. All right. <laughs> Uh, who I am? Uh, I'm Brian Sago. I am an artist, art teacher, kind of back into role-playing games after a hiatus, and uh, bumped into the trophy game back when they did their Kickstarter, and it just sort of, for me, lit up an enthusiasm that I had had lost. And uh, that led to ultimately writing this, because I, I'm not from Minnesota, but I've been here for more than half my life at this point. And my encounters with the state fair have have verged from or sort of ranged from surreal to to kind of horrific and uh i felt like there was a way to to sort of uh have fun with it and one sort of embrace it at the same time while being repulsed by it <laughs> that that is understandable did you did you grow up somewhere where there were like state fairs and there did you grow up in a more like urban area I grew up in St. Louis, and my family's kind of split. One half of the family was the the urban side, where the grandfather was a bus driver, the grandmother was a nurse. The other side was rural, and everybody had farms. Okay, yeah, I imagine like that that first experience of something like a state fair. Like I've never been to like a proper state fair as big as the Minnesota one, but like I grew up with family in 4-H, so like I went to the area, like my area's 4-H fair. Uh, and we like had a small town carnival that had like, you know, a rickety Ferris wheel and a couple terrible rides. Uh, but if you haven't experienced that, I imagine even if you have experienced that, experiencing it on the scale of something like the Minnesota State Fair is shocking. Right, exactly. I, I've milked cows. I've been headbutted by a goat on family farms. And the State Fair is 170,000 people on an average day. It's it's at a different level. I feel like I need to make a trek out at some point to experience after playing this game. And like I was telling you when I ran it, just the the number of things we had to look up and be like, this this can't really be a thing. 
Uh, and then looking it up and like, oh no, like this is this adventure is one hundred percent true to life. That's the crazy part. I didn't really make up most of it. It's uh, kind of it's both amazing and terrifying. Like I understand why you would want to both embrace it uh, and be repulsed by it. But yeah, so Butter Princess is on Kickstarter now. I think as I checked earlier, and it was at almost three thousand uh, dollars, which is almost twice what what you were asking for. Correct. At the moment that we're recording, we have ninety nine supporters. That's that's amazing. I'm so excited. I, like, I was nervous for you just because I didn't know like how something like this would be uh, taken in the <laughs> RPG community. Yeah. Uh, and just the sheer amount of support I've been seeing come through for it has been making me really happy because it is like from both a concept, like from a concept, it's amazing. But then like the actual physical book is gorgeous. Uh, the layout's really cool. All of the art is that kind of beautiful David Lynchian like mix of fifties Americana but presented in a way that kind of revolts you a little bit. Yes. And that, that artwork is all the work of Mike Martins. I wrote this, but Mike did all the illustration and layout. So, uh, Oh, that's awesome. Well, good job, Mike. I will make sure to, to give him a shout out, but yeah, it is a, it's a beautiful book. And the nice thing for people who are listening to know, uh, is that the, it's mostly done. Like you have a couple more passes, but so like you were, you were saying on the Kickstarter that the PDF is going to go out immediately. Yes. And then the physical copy, you know, supply chains and shipping and everything, what they are right now, may take a little while. But. It may take a little while. We did do a, a, what do you call it, a set of printer's proofs. And uh, I don't know, this may not be useful for your podcast, but in terms of testing shipping, I did an order of 40 printer's proofs and then mailed them all over the place. And uh, with the exception of some international ones, they were all, you know, in my hand and shipped and at the destination in under three weeks. So. That's awesome. So that's that's hopefully a good sign yeah. for uh, for folks who back it to know. Yeah, I mean, I know you sent me a copy, and I it, I was shocked that it got here in like four days or something like that, which uh, has not been my experience with about anything outside of Amazon uh, that I've ordered in the last, I think, two years. <laughs> but yeah, so the game uses more or less the trophy mechanics. There's some some deviations. Uh, I've done, I did Trophy Dark on here a couple years ago, and then I played uh, Candlelight and Token mm. with Gabriel. So I think most of my listeners will probably recognize the rules. So we won't spend too much time going over that. I think we'll probably mostly jump into character creation. Stop to talk about anything we might need to explain to the to the listeners. But yeah, let's jump into character creation. I think... Uh, Sounds good. We've got a gorgeous character keeper made by Ben Bond. And if you have not seen the character keepers that he makes, he does things with Google spreadsheets that I I can't believe are possible, honestly. It is it is pure wizardry. Like I was excited at what I personally learned about doing stuff with spreadsheets. And then I saw some of these character keepers and I'm like, well, I don't uh, this is this is a piece of software right. inside of a spreadsheet. Yes. Yeah, like, this one has the same one that the the trophy gold one does, where it actually like it has a cell that changes and walks you through character creation, uh, and how one does that. It, I, like I'm pretty sure it's magic. I don't think that this is actual programming. 
Yeah, it's it's insane. I see the seen the coding side of it, and it's nuts. He even puts in small Easter eggs that only turn up if certain conditions happen in the game. It's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, for for listeners, if you haven't experienced the the gauntlet character keepers, you should definitely check that out. That's something that they offer. You don't have to be a backer uh, on Patreon uh, or active in their community. It is something that they want people to have access to, no matter what. And they have character keepers i think at this point for just about every role-playing game that exists and um some of them are on the more basic side but uh, most of the trophy products are it's just amazing i can't imagine when i play trophy games in person now i'm like why i want the character keeper i don't want character sheets but yeah so we're using we're using the butter princess character keeper which is up on uh up on the gauntlet community if you just search for gauntlet character keepers it will bring you to the website there's also a link right in the middle of the kickstarter too perfect so yeah we're gonna do this a a little bit differently than i might normally run games where you know there's one player and one mc because the because and trophy in general works so much better with a group dynamic especially trophy dark style games because there is that sort of element of betrayal um built into the rules so you and I are both going to make characters, and then we're also going to have a kind of floating NPC who will probably beat us to the Butter Princess. <laughs> and then we're going to kind of take turns emceeing and just jump probably ring by ring and take turns running and see who gets the Butter Princess. So yeah, that's, I guess, just a, a quick description for uh, for the listeners. Uh, Butter Princess, we've said, takes place at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, and it is a, a bit of a heist game where all of the characters have different drives related this very real phenomenon of butter princesses. Uh, which how, how many pounds of butter do they use to sculpt them? 90 pounds, 41 kilograms of butter for each one. 90 pounds of butter. So they, it's what, it's uh, like local beauty pageant winners that end up getting carved in uh, not beauty pageant exactly it's a county dairy pageant okay it is it is to the extent that i know and have researched it it is entirely women who are are uh, involved in this and as, as the pageant contestants and winners but you've got a county dairy princess and uh the 12 finalists go to the state fair and each day one of them sits in that refrigerated booth and is, is carved out of butter. And the winner is crowned with a formal title, princess K of the Milky way. And, uh, they then have a year as sort of a, how do you say that? Like an acting sort of dairy liaison to the state where they travel and do public events. Yeah. You know, right. As one does. That is an entirely normal thing for a state to do. Yes. Well, do, do you know, what, like, what do they have to do to become? It's, I've, I've looked up the rules. It's kind of amazing, honestly. Um, I don't have them all memorized, but you have to live on a dairy farm to begin with. Okay. You don't, you just can't enter. That's fair. Right. It's fair. Uh, from that, there's, there's, uh, what I've actually read is not what you have to do, but I've, you can download the judge's PDF <laughs> and I've read what the judge criteria are. And it's almost worth me like pausing the recording here and looking it up there. There it's like, I forget now, like 12 pages Ouch. evaluating your knowledge of Minnesota agriculture, your knowledge of the dairy industry, 
uh, sort of your your quickness and response and wit and sort of charisma. Um, it doesn't actually evaluate beauty anywhere. So that's actually like in in accepting that it is kind of odd. I, like there's something kind of beautiful about that. Like removing the like beauty pageant nonsense of it all and just being like are you like a really good farmer <laughs> that's kind of what it's about in a way yeah will you represent farms well i kind of love that uh in a way that i didn't expect to there's a thing that i think is still true that part of the rules are though is that you can't be married okay so they're butter maidens <laughs> that's the part that is weird like you know, not that I would say people should be running around getting married before the age of 24, but it seems weird that you just can't be in this job. Yeah, it it adds that adds like a little bit of a weird like the lottery kind of like feel to it, to me at least, where it's like, oh, no, you must be a pure butter princess. That's where it's that's honestly where the horror kind of starts for me is like this is suddenly that that agricultural festival in a rural community where there's an underlying thing that you don't want to ask about am i like i'm like after the year do they like sacrifice the butter princess to like make sure that the cows give milk for the rest of the year that i could see that as a possible fate yes it's horrifying but amazing like it's still just it, it's i love all of this and now like I feel like the next month or so of my life is going to be this rabbit hole of just uh, learning as much as I can about the Minnesota State Fair and all of its weird shit. So yeah, let's uh, let's make characters. I see you're already you've already got an idea. I'm diving in, and I will switch any of those ideas if you want. What I was part of my picking away at this is oh playing things that I haven't played or haven't seen played. Uh, I like all of what you have, so I do not want to to stop what is what is occurring all righty this is when i was running this uh on saturday the comment i heard from every single player was like all of these options are so good it's so hard to pick one <laughs> thank you that's nice to hear so i'd say let's take let's take a minute to introduce our characters kind of in a surface way and then i in the first ring we'll kind of it flesh them out a little bit more, and then we'll jump into the actual play. Uh, so tell us about Allison. All right. So Allison Depke here. Um, her occupation is a social justice warrior, and her background is a second place baking competitor. Uh, her, her drive is to smash the work of her rival, the champion butter sculptor Margie Depke. And you might think that that means that they are rival butter sculptors, but actually they're sisters. And the rivalry is more over who chose the music career and who chose the baking career and who has shown prowess in each. Ah. My feats of hubris are a service animal, that which I can use to disregard a rule. And I think, I think what I want to do, given that we're headed to the state fair, I want that service animal to be a pig. Not like a massive farm-sized industrial hog, but like a Vietnamese potbelly pig, something kind of small, portable. In the hopes it. that that something goes awry with the 4-H <laughs> society, and, yeah, and there's there's stress involving uh, what whatever. We'll see what happens, but I think that's what I'm going to go for a pig as my service animal. Uh, and then uh, my other feat of hubris is Banshee Shriek to stop all on their tracks. I am a trained opera singer, but uh, willing to use opera to get my way. 
in a moment of need. Fantastic. Um, so I, I am playing uh, Gordon Milhauser. Uh, he is a, a tchotchke buff and a befuddled conspiracy theorist. Um, I think that Gordon is convinced that when society fails, tchotchkes are going to be the number one form of currency. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh, and so he, he is convinced that society is going to fail, and he wants to make sure that he is set up to be among the 1% uh, when, when it does. I love the idea of tchotchkes as the only stable currency. <laughs> you know, everyone's grandmother has them. Like, you can go to her house and, like, you know, it's the it's the rough future where the government has collapsed. So, like, your grandmother has probably passed away. So, like, those tchotchkes. What, was it Mad Max that had the the little uh, tiny grinder? The what those things called the music grinder? Oh, that's not the right word. Uh, the like the music box. Yeah, where that was the the item of preciousness, this this beaten up little ding 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 that played a song. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. That that is what people are going to want, like these yes. small things that remind them of the before times, Love it. and that are plentiful because you know, like those, uh, like cow salt and pepper shakers. You know, they they made millions of those. Yeah. Um. <laughs> His drive is uh, to bring the butter bust home to add spice to his mother's terrifyingly plain potatoes. I think that I, I think that Gordon is probably a little too old to be still living with his mother, uh, but he still lives with his mother. Uh, he needs to save money to be able to buy the tchotchkes yeah. to set himself up for the future. So I think he's probably like in his early 40s. I'm kind of imagining him as like Crispin Glover from Willard. Without the rats. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Norman Bates, maybe, like, yes. not quite as murderous as Norman Bates, but, like, that kind of, like, unassuming but somewhat creepy-looking middle-aged man. Perfect. Uh, and his one feat of hubris is sales. Uh, the wording of sales I, I absolutely love. Uh, let someone have your way uh, <laughs> is just a great... A great way to leave that open to interpretation, but I do think that, like, despite being creepy, he's he when he wants to be, he can be charming. Perfect. And then our uh, our NPC who will serve as a foil is Iqbal Martinson uh, with an S O N, uh, who is a livestock virtuoso. And also has apparently entered the hot dog eating contest uh, and is riddled with reflux now. And their goal is to uh, prove your love to the butter princess herself. Yeah. Uh, and whether that means uh, the model for the butter princess or the statue, uh, I, I guess we'll find out <laughs> right. in, in play. That was the one person chose that as their drive in my game and they asked that question. Uh, and I was like, it, it, it's whatever you want it to be. Like, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to get in the way of like wh who you want to be proving your love to. Yes. I've seen it played out that way a couple of times as well. And it's fun when people, you know, kind of make the final choice. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what Iqbal is going for as we play through. All right.
so I think we are all set. We've got our, uh, I love all of these characters already, our cast of characters to jump in. So I guess uh, this is your game. So I'll, I'll let you start with Ring One, and then we can kind of figure out as we play what makes the most sense uh, when to switch off. Sounds great. Do you want me to read the brief little intro that's normally right at the start of it? Uh, yeah, if you want to do that, if you want to uh, include that. Sure. It, it leads to one of, the, one of the key questions. I think I'll do it, and I think it'll fit. If you feel like you can track it, no harm. All right. You arrive via shuttle bus. Experienced fairgoers like you know that parking is terrible. But an hour on a shuttle bus gives you enough time to make unearned character judgments. Describe how your first impression of the character to your right rankles you. <laughs> I do. I love this segment. It brings everyone into the game so well. So do we want to do... Yeah, given that we're doing kind of a one versus one with an NPC, what if we each describe something about each other, and then we each describe something about our innocent victim, our NPC? Perfect. Um so what does Gordon think about Allison? Got a thought for your character if you're willing to embrace wearing a t-shirt. Oh yeah, go for it. All right. So Gordon is wearing a, a t-shirt, like a sort of one of those souvenir shirts that you buy that says Norsky Nook uh, on the shores of Lake Superior. You know, I, I ate the, the smoked sturgeon or something. Um, and it's clear to me that you didn't really. Like, you didn't actually go to the premier smokehouse of fish in the state. And that you just got, like, some pickled herring kind of dribbled on the edge of your shirt. Um, I can tell. It's just clear that you're not not what you present yourself as. I like that. I think that's a good a good introduction to Gordon. I I think that Gordon looks at Allison with this sort of, like, air of snobbery that Allison seems to have uh, and really just continues to think that like in the next age <laughs> this person will not survive <laughs> and the pig is worth a lot of money and that is like it's a small pig but like that's still a couple meals worth of food and like I, I think I can tell like the way that Allison is petting the pig like Allison does not have the grit to eat that pig when it comes down to it. <laughs> uh, and in the next age, that is, that is a decision that's going to have to happen. <laughs> Excellent. All right. What Iqbal, our reflux ridden hot dog eating champ. Um, I don't even know if this exists, but I'm picturing uh, like a butter princess fanboy, like something like a, He's got a, a mock sash that says, you know, Butter Prince on it, as though somehow that presents allegiance to the Butter Princess, shows that he's, he's good enough to be chosen, but it's very clearly homemade. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, just, the, just the idea of a Butter Prince sash is so good. Um. I, I think that Gordon is kind of, despite the shirt that has been described, uh, is kind of obsessed with appearances. 
Um, and like, he knows he's weird. And so I think he wants to try and appear as normal as possible. Um, and I think that like Iqbal being a reflux ridden hot dog eating champion is probably like kind of constantly burping and like, <laughs> you know, making those kind of like groans and noises that you make when you have really bad acid reflux. And I think that like Gordon finds that like very repulsive. Got it. On the bus, pre-chugging anti-acid tablets. Yeah. And like, do that at home. Like, I'm not judging you for your choice in entering this hot dog eating contest, but like, that that kind of stuff is home stuff. That's not outside stuff. Wonderful. All right. Let us continue with our intro here. The bus exhaust fumigates your bare ankles as you disembark. It is a flawless summer day. A broad blue sky arcs overhead. A sunny oasis of pleasure is past that ticket taker. Screams of joy are behind that fence. Clear this turnstile and the crowds will part before you. Blaine, what is the theme of the fair this year? Oh, that's good. That's a good question. I think I'm going to I'm going to play this in for something that I think Allison would really like as a theme. I think that the theme of the fair this year is heritage music. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of like, like very traditional, like German and Scandinavian music being played. Uh, there's like polkas and I don't think there's any like opera proper, but there's a lot of things that like still, I imagine kind of play into the type of music that Allison really likes. Excellent. And let me add to that, that there's also sort of a, sessions of indigenous music showing Dakota and Ojibwe traditional music as well. Kind of uh, in occasions being played where the, the two might overlap acoustically. I like that. That'll uh, create some chaotic dissonance of like warring polka in traditional indigenous music. Alrighty. And then what is your favorite fair food? Hmm. I think I think that based on what I have established about Gordon thus far, I think Gordon's a little bit of like a man child. Um and so I think his favorite fair food is cotton candy. Ooh, nice. Um Allison, what do you like? Uh Allison's kind of a purist. It's it's the deep fried cheese curd with that that little uh sort of Plastic side cup of, I really don't know what it is, tomato sauce of some sort. <laughs> that does sound really good. So, the Butter Princess competition begins a bit later. For now, we should enjoy the fair and scope out any competition. Gordon, as you, as you step off that, that shuttle bus, what... Well, let me, sorry, let me check your drive once more here. All right, got it, got it. There's there's an aroma in the the fair that's not the exhaust of that diesel fume, almost cartoon like kind of drifting over the gate past the ticket taker. What what's that aroma that you smell? Mm. I think it is, and despite it not being his favorite fair food, it is like his second favorite fair food. I think there is. I don't want to just say like I I don't want to say just like mashed potatoes because that feels uh, not indulgent enough for the state fair. Uh, so I think that it's maybe 
this like creation that like it starts with mashed potato- potatoes and then they add like a bunch of extra butter and cheese, put it on a like form it on a stick almost like you would form a kebab and then bread it and deep fry it. And I think I think it's that dish that really drives home Gordon's drive is like every year he comes or every time he comes to this fair, he has one of those and those potatoes are so good. Uh, And his mother makes the most bland mashed potatoes you have ever had. Like it is just enough milk, butter and sour cream to like bring it from being just boiled potatoes. Right. And so he, he can smell that like mix of potato and cheese and fried oil. Um, and I think he starts to salivate a little bit, just thinking about this and thinking about like, if he can steal the butter princess, like, you know, this is made of the best butter. Yes. The potential of 90 pounds of that, that'll keep you going into the, into the apocalypse times for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got, we've got a, a couple of chest freezers in the, in the garage, so like I can chop that up and, and freeze it. And all right, so you know how there's that queue where you're lined up waiting your turn to to get your ticket and go through. Um, they are just at the change of shifts, and and the person who's about to take over is is spooning a mouthful of these these delicious buttery potatoes into their mouth, and they pause and they say, it, "Gordon, is is that you, Gordon?" Why is it a problem that this ticket taker recognizes you? I think mm, I'm going to go a little Norman Bates with this. The ticket taker's name is George Flanders, uh, and he is my mother's boyfriend. Nice. Uh, And Gordon absolutely hates him. You know, Gordon is very, I mean, he's, you know, in his mid 40s living at home. He's very much a mama's boy. Um, and is very protective of his mother and very obsessive over her time. Nice. Uh, and George is a, a threat to the, all of that. All right. Well, at that moment, the, you know, George kind of taps the other ticket taker on the shoulders. Like, I'll, I'll, ha- I'll handle this one. Go on, go on, go on break. And the, the person who might have, you know, let you in is instead. Passed on to George here. Gordon, it's so good to see you. We never have enough time to talk. I, you know. Hi, hi, George. Are you, are you going to the tchotchke auction later? Is, are you going to try and, you know, are you going to bid on that, you know, that gravy boat? Mm, and I think it, like, I think it rankles Gordon. Cause like he doesn't want to engage with George, but I think like the tchotchke auction is just like too much of a temptation. Uh, and he just starts like, like before he can even catch himself to like, keep it in control, just starts like going off. And he's like, well, the, the gravy boat I think is, uh, it's a little bit too fragile to survive to the next age. Uh, so I'm actually looking, there's a, a, a really nice set of, of like pewter salt and pepper shakers. Uh, that have been painted to look like cheese curds. Uh, and that's that's what I've really got my... And he, like, then catches himself, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going. 
Oh man, fabulous. Um, let me ask you, I feel like we're kind of doing a 1v1 here, but slightly modified. I sort of feel like in the way I've written this, there's supposed to be this challenge and ring on for each person to somehow get through the gate. Should we pass it over to you for a moment to give me a challenge? Yeah, I like that. Like, I like the idea of like each of us kind of running the rinks. Like, and, and I've noted, like, when you do one on one trophy dark, the rings go pretty quick. Yeah. So I think it work, would work well. So yeah, let me think about. So Allison steps off of this bus. And I think the weather outside is kind of oppressive. And like, the bus itself didn't really help. Like, I think there may have been fans, but they're kind of old ratty mm. fans that buzzed loudly and like just barely pushed the air around enough. So like it's as hot and humid inside, but slightly less stagnant. But when you step out, you get all of that like stagnant, still air uh, and heat. I'll start doing some breathing exercises. <sighs> And I think as as Allison gets off the bus, kind of passing behind the bus through this parking lot, uh, moving to like an entrance, like a special reserved entrance for the car parade, you see a bunch of you know classic old cars driving behind the bus, heading down the parking lot to enter in and do uh, a classic car show that kind of weaves its way through the thoroughfare. And one of those cars has has the window rolled down and is blaring opera music, which you know is not the most common experience. What uh, what song are they playing that like really uh, excites Allison? Oh, excites me! Um, when I was a, in real life, when I was a teenager, I had a cassette called "Movies Go to the Opera," and it had said uh, great things, and now I'm suddenly blanking on all of it. Um, a cassette tape long lost that uh, now I want to look it up again because there were some varied favorite things. So one second. Oh, okay. So there are two people sitting in this car, almost competing for control of the volume knob, like an, like an eight track tape in there, let's say. And they're, they're initially coming in with the Barber of Seville playing this kind of like upbeat kind of peppy thing. And then, uh, you know, it's the state fair, right? But then one of them's like, no, no, no. Are you kidding me? Puccini. Puccini. And pushes the button on the 8-track and it clicks over to Nessun Dorma. And they, they, it is just the perfect sort of slow rise for this, the way that, that you know, vintage cars drive slowly so everybody can see them. That kind of slow rise of Nessun Dorma is just right for the, the roll. A little, a little somber for the fair, perhaps, but it's clear that you know, the person inside that car understands pacing and timing very well. Fantastic. And I think that, you know, Allison is kind of, uh, you know, appreciating the fact that this car is, is blaring opera music, something that, you know, she doesn't see often, doesn't hear often. Uh, you know, appreciation of opera is a thing of kind of a bygone age. And as Allison uh, turns around with her, her small, Vietnamese pot-bellied pig still in her arm. Uh, she sees this this you know random woman kind of coming up to her wide-eyed with like a glint of recognition in uh, in her eyes. 
What it, what is the last kind of big performance Allison did uh, in this area? Ooh, the good one or the one that ended poorly? Uh, let's go with the good one. Allison's really embraced Scandinavian tradition, and it was the Flight of the Valkyries was was her her moment. Um, performed at the the Minnesota Opera, of course, uh, but. There was also an outdoor performance overlooking the Mississippi River that was really the the one that she's kind of known for. Excellent. And I like I think you know this this glimpse of recognition on this woman's face. You know, at best I uh, I think Allison is kind of prepared for someone to like gush about that performance uh over the river. Or maybe, like, in a sort of worst-case scenario, bring up that other performance that I'm sure we'll talk about later. (laughs) Uh, But instead, the woman comes up and she's like, has anyone ever told you that you look just like Margie Depke? That is perfect. (sighs) I, I scoop up Wagner. Wagner's the name of my pig. And I kind of protectively hold Wagner back a bit. Allison Depke, Allison Depke, the opera singer. Perhaps you've heard of me. Oh, I don't. I mostly listen to pop music. Pop, K-pop, probably. I mean, sometimes I, my daughter listens to a lot of K-pop, but I don't mind it. It's got like a nice, dancey beat to it. I, my favorite is Brian Adams. People come to the state fair for the Butter Princess, not Butter, which I know. That K-pop band, what is it, BT something, BTS, uh, I know Butter's their song, but this is the land of the Butter Princess, if you please. Step aside, I, I, I have things I need to do. Oh, oh okay, well, if you, if you see Margie, uh, tell her that I was so impressed with her work last year. Her, her, her Butter Princess deserved to win, and it's a crime that it did. <sighs> what's, what's your name? I'm I'm Samantha. Uh, she'll she'll know. I've sent her letters. Samantha, I'm sure that when I see Margie, she'll be glad to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe to the next opera season. I need to go. And I think she like she's about to about to start talking more about how she she doesn't really listen to opera, but she's just like, all right, dear, you have a you have a, a good time in there. Fabulous. Give me one second here. I'm kind of looking at our rings. It sort of feels like a natural spot to flip the ring too, in terms of pacing. Is this good or is this too fast? No, I think that's good. I think you know we've both we've both managed to establish some horrifying relationships. Yeah. Hope at the miracle of birth barn. Amusements beckon, but nothing offers respite from the heat rolling off the asphalt. Generators cough out diesel fumes. Frustration grows as crowds begin to vex you at every turn. So this, this setting the scene question, uh, we'll both answer. Uh, and I guess we can answer about Iqbal as well. What signs reveal the drive of the character to you? Ooh, I got it. Okay, go ahead. Gordon is pinching all those little flavor packets. Like if, if there's a condiment packet, ketchup, mustard, salt shaker, paprika, if there's a 
a booth offering samples of ground nutmeg. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> Gordon's just like grabbing them, sticking them in his pockets. <laughs> Watching them for dear life. Yes. Like if I can get these ketchup packets home, I will make it through another meal. Plus, those little aluminum foil packets, those things will last for That's true. That like decades. mayo mayo in a packet is gonna be good for Gordon's foreseeable lifespan. Um I think that when Gordon looks looks at Allison or catches a glimpse of Allison, I think that there's like a poster, a set of posters hanging up uh, like along the thoroughfare that are the like top, we'll say like the top three butter princesses from last year. Uh, and one of them, you know, Mar- I think Margie came in second place last year. But it has like a picture of Margie and a picture of the Butter Princess. And we see like Allison trying to like nondescriptly like draw a mustache on the Butter Princess, deface the poster in some way. That's amazing. I absolutely love that. Uh, so, what do we see that shows Iqbal's? I, I kind of want to riff off your poster thing is that. Iqbal's sort of trying to to get to the the do a selfie with the poster of the Butter Princess of him and you know she's kind of over his shoulder, getting that very clearly just absolutely into it, posting it on social media so that all of his friends can respond. Hashtag heart you Butter Princess. The way we're establishing these characters, I really do kind of just want Iqbal to prove his love to the Butter Princess. Uh, he is the pure soul in this story. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm a little terrified about what we might do, do to them later, but. Right. Uh, so far ahead in refrigerated coolness, so extreme that they wear parkas in August, the glorious butter princesses take turns modeling for their portraits. And so I think we you know, zoom away from the start of the the butter princess carvings and we find ourselves back kind of on the main thoroughfare of the of the fair. And I think in the background we see that uh parade of old cars kind of moving slowly through the background, moving through this thoroughfare, stopping every now and then and disrupting the piece with honking as someone doesn't realize that they're walking down the middle of the prescribed path for these cars. And I think, you know, this thoroughfare kind of leads people uh, to the miracle of Birth Barn, uh, a horrifying actual thing that exists at the Minnesota State Fair. And leading kind of up to this barn, um, to either side, uh, there are like large displays of seed art. What what kind of impressive things uh, have various artists crafted out of seeds this year? Ooh. That's our theme here. Our theme is heritage music. All right. Typically, seed art is semi-two-dimensional, like seeds glued to a flat frame. But this year, as part of this heritage music uh, gala, someone has crafted... A, purely out of seeds and I guess a hot glue gun, a life-size Bob Dylan with a banjo. And uh, 
occasionally, you know, a, a pigeon or a crow lands on it and pecks at this that little straw boat hat that he has just a little bit. But there's an attendant nearby who who uh, lets the bird take a single bite, and then they they have a little like a replacement seed that they put in, <laughs> and it's it's just it shows such an attention to preserving our musical heritage. I love it. That poor attendant standing there, like trying to, like they've got a little fan, one of those little handheld fans that, you know, they blow on themselves waiting for a bird to take a seed so that they can replace it. Uh, And I think Allison sees off to the side, these two crows fighting over uh, a French fry and one like nips at the other and it, makes this loud kind of call and flies off as the other crow triumphant snacks on this French fry covered in dirt. That is just like that time my sister and I struggled at the breakfast table over music lessons. Like my parents were so much more impressed by her ability to just lump her mashed potatoes into a shape. And I'm at the (laughs) piano, like right before this meal practicing practicing my heart out and she's over there playing with her food. And you were, you were so good. You were playing, you know, whatever piece you were playing near perfectly, which for a child to play um, such a complex piece of classical music versus just shaping some stupid mashed potatoes into. Yeah. I don't know, whatever she was carving at the time. I was a prodigy. If it, if it hadn't been for the accident, I could have gone much further. We'll have to return to that momentarily. But back to the present. Uh, Allison sort of lost in thought, uh, not paying terribly close attention uh, to her environs, uh, thinking about that day as a child um, that her parents showed so much preferential treatment to Margie. Uh, Allison looks up and suddenly sees a cart laden down with trash bags piled so high, actually, that the person pushing the cart cannot see anything going on around them. And it doesn't help that they're also playing uh, probably like Bejeweled Blitz um, (laughs) on their phone. Uh, is barreling straight toward Allison. What do you do? Oh, I am absolutely oblivious in my state of reverie, remembering my horrible moment in my childhood where where it all turned for the worse, and it's left me in this state, and I just have to make a ruin roll. I feel like. <laughs> all right. Yeah, give me a give me a ruin roll. What is that? A two, and I'm currently at three. Oh, there you go. That's that's not a bad start. So what? I feel like without you know, great physical damage, but some slight bruising to my ego. There's a a moment where I realize there's this monotonous sort of electrical whine, like the electrical vehicle coming. I'm like, what? That that has no place in this memory of of beautiful music that I once played. And then I realize, like, oh. And so I sort of hop to and call out really loudly, like, halt! And screech to us at the stop, and these trash bags tumble and bounce and kind of like ricochet around me. But I'm, I'm left 
almost majestically standing in the middle of the thoroughfare surrounded by garbage bags, almost untouched, almost pure. Can I jump in with the thing here? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, we haven't really used our, our NPC Iqbal as a foil yet, and I feel like Iqbal should uh, like give Gordon a little nudge and be like, hey, Gordon, see that uh, dart throwing competition over there? I'm going to win that stuffed animal. I'll take you on. My treat. Oh, you know, I, I haven't thought about what place stuffed animals have in the future currency. Right? Cuddles. Cuddles. Yeah, let's, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take that bet. All right. Uh, Iqbal sidles up to the, the, the midway, right where they have the, the games, you know, puts a couple dollars on the table, says darts for me and my friend here. Gendron, right? Gendron? Oh, oh, Gordon, Gordon. All right. All right. Me and Gordon, we're going to, we're going to throw some darts. Um, what's this stuffed animal we're competing for? I think I think at first Gordon is just kind of intrigued by the thought of like what stuffed animals could could be used for as currency. And it but isn't like super interested in winning. Uh but then he looks up and he sees the actual stuffed animal that Iqbal has been talking about. And I think what is Gordon's favorite cartoon? Uh, I think we're going to just say it's a it's an off-brand Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. All right. I think like it looks it it's hard to make an anthropomorphic turtle that doesn't look like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. So I think the the way you the easiest way to tell that it is off-brand is I think that it has uh like a pink mask, like a color that is obviously not ever used for a Ninja Turtle. All right. And the, this Carney who's running the, the dart game has a, a young sidekick assistant who's holding up this plush animal that you could possibly win, kind of flexing it, proving its spongeability that, you know, it's, it's soft, it's squishy, it could be a pillow, it could be a companion. And he calls out, uh, you know, win, win, in a kind of a high voice, win your chance for a, a young tortoise. Um, Modified genetically by the uh, powers of, uh, what am I supposed to say again? (laughs) (laughs) Just get them to throw darts. Just get them to throw the darts. They know what they're getting. Oh, fantastic. Uh, So yeah, suddenly like Gordon has uh, an extra amount of interest in this, like, he wasn't as interested, but like, even though it's off brand, like it's, it's a Ninja Turtle uh, and he wants it very badly now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Tchotchke. <laughs> Does this feel like a contest role in that we've got an NPC in play or is this just for you a risk role? How do you, how do you want to play it? Uh, let's get a contest role in there just to, just to make sure we show that off. Like, I'm sure it'll come up again in the future, but. Um, since we've given Iqbal actual stats, I think. Yeah. I feel like let's give him at least two ruin rather than three or rather than one. Yeah. That's a little bit more fair on the contest role. Yeah. So, um, I always have to read the, the contest dice pile to myself a little bit here. So take one light die. If the contest is something you're skilled at because of occupation or background. I don't think 
Uh, I guess maybe I, I could make a pitch for vigilance. Oh, yeah. Being in play here, like paying very, like, yeah. You know, I don't know what we're throwing darts at, but like making sure to take an extra second or two to aim. Yeah, balloons. You got to calculate that trajectory. Yeah. I don't know if Iqbal has anything. He's got animals, barns, riding, and consumption, but those don't seem to apply here. All right. So you've got a light die. Iqbal does not. Take another light die for each point of ruin you currently have. So Iqbal has two. Um, this is supposed to represent the fair, giving you an advantage commensurate with how much it's dug its claws into you. And then you take a dark die if the contest is inherently deadly or dangerous. Eh, doesn't seem so yet. But then take as many additional dark dice as you're willing to risk, knowing that should you have a dark die that is a one, it will increase your ruin by one. I think, I think Gordon, I have established enough about Gordon's desire for this that I have to take at least one dark die. All right. I might, I'm going to take two. All right. Um, uh, I'm playing an NPC here. Does it seem fair for Iqbal to take two dark dice? I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like it probably is, especially because Iqbal is kind of cocky about winning this. True. Uh, and then it turns out that uh, Iqbal doesn't have any skills that apply. Right. All right, I'm slinging two light and two dark. All right. And I am slinging three light and two dark. I have one six. Oh, no. Oh, Gordon. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I have no sixes, and I have a one on one of my dark dice. <laughs> All right. Iqbal's going to win the contest. You're going you're gonna to take a point of ruin. Do you want to describe how that plays out? I, I think that Gordon is like, you know, taking I, I, arguably, probably not even arguably, he's taking too much time to line this shot up. And he's like, you know, looking at the, looking at the balloon, he does the like licks his finger and sticks it up in the air to figure out the wind direction, looks at the balloon again, like looks down the dart at the balloon and throws the dart. And I think it hits like the metal edge of I'm imagining this is like one of those, like there's a big board with a bunch of balloons attached to it. Yeah. Um, it hits the like metal edge and it ricochets back and like doesn't stab him, but like, <laughs> like grazes his cheek and just leaves this like cut along his cheek. That just like slowly begins to like trickle down blood. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, and he's just in this like deadpan kind of. He's like, "Oh, that that really hurt." Oh. Uh, and then has to stand there and watch as the stuffed animal is handed to Iqbal. Iqbal looks over at you. He's like, "Ooh, ooh, that." Uh... I think that that might leave a scar, but um, you'd probably be okay, kid. And he's he's probably like younger than you, <laughs> but he's <laughs> giving that kind of demeaning. He's certainly by maturity older than Gordon, <laughs> right? But he's the one with the stuffed animal tucked under his arm as he yeah. as he steps away from the dart booth. Yeah, I think Gordon like wipes wipes some of the blood off uh, and like looks at it. And like looks down to see like what 
article of clothing he's wearing is the darkest so that he can like rub his hand off on it and like he's not rubbing like blood on a white shirt all right and in that moment a gentle hand reaches up with a a pure white soft piece of linen and brushes your cheek and a a different voice uh, a lighter voice says art that was very brave of you i i couldn't that if that had happened to me, I don't know how I would have reacted. And there in front of you is this, this woman, almost like a, she's so narrow, almost like a column of white light, but she's a part of a procession. There are these, these angelic figures heading towards the all you can drink milk booth. Each one over their arm has a, a plastic bucket, but they cradle it like it's some precious, wicker basket full of, of a harvest cornucopia but it's a plastic bucket full of chocolate chip cookies and she says i you're gonna be okay but you know here's a, a cookie i think that you know you've earned it and she hands you a cookie and i think like gordon like smiles and takes it and like you know he's had cookies from this cookie booth before he knows how good they are uh it, but he's like oh oh thank you i am uh I don't I don't like to brag, but I do like to think of myself as as a a brave knight. <laughs> um and he's like, Do you do you know about the age age to come? Uh no, but I I can see a I can see a strong, resilient person and recognize them. If you need anything, if you need if you need first aid or or milk the first aid booth is right adjacent to the milk booth and and that's where you'll find me oh oh thank you thank you so much i should probably go to the first aid booth i think he wipes away a little bit more blood and like rubs it on his shorts (laughs) i like that physically you just touched the other cheek (laughs) your injury just switched sides Luckily, this is an audio medium. No, but that's hilarious. It's, in a way, it's part of the story. Like, so taken aback, you're like, "I'm hurt." Wait, where am I hurt? Where's the cut? All right. What is going on? So again, I want to talk about checking with pacing here. Um, I could see a little more in Ring Two in the Miracle of Birth Barn, perhaps, especially because I've got a service piglet. But um, if we should, if it feels like the right moment to move on to ring three, on we go. I'm fine either way. Um, yeah, let's do the miracle of birth barn because I feel like there's got to be something good in there. Also, it's it's the the thing in this that I kind of find the most innately horrifying. But yeah, what is what is in the birth barn that Allison really wants to see? It's actually not what I want to see. It's what Wagner wants to see. Oh. I'm walking past, Wagner's on his leash, and he's usually such a well-behaved pig. He he understands my needs. He, almost intuitively, I hardly need to say a thing to him. He's a support, he's a good support animal. Right. And he just veers, like, off path, tugging and pulling towards the miracle of birth barn, making those cute little piglet squeals, like, you know, like, all right, all right, Wagner, what is it? And he's insistent, and... And so in we go and I hit, 
I think we step in just in that moment where there's a, a sort of a veterinary assistant calling out, you know, this is it. This is, this is the sow is about to give birth. Crowds gather around, take it from there. So yeah, I think you you push in and like there's a big crowd that is pushed in in front of you and and Wagner is like real he wants to be up there like right at the front. And so like he's kind of pulling you into this crowd of people and you're like bumping into people and you know trying to to steady steady Wagner to at least, you know, not pull you any further into this crowd. And I think we see like a, a a very large sow, like maybe almost too large. Like it it shouldn't it shouldn't get this big, even even for like one of those four H contests where it's all about like breeding the biggest pig. This sow is even bigger than that. It's almost the size of like a cow. <laughs> it seems so big. And there's, I think, uh, like a, a young, youngish teen. Uh, he's the captain of his 4-H team, kind of crouched behind, doing the majority of the work as, as a, a few pro, like professional farmers kind of guide him in this. Like this is a, a, this is both for the crowd to see the miracle and wonder, if you can call it that, of birth. But also some hands-on training experience for some of these teens who who want to learn to work on a farm. And I think as the the piglet begins to uh, see the light of day, this kid thought he was prepared for this moment. You know, he had read about how to properly birth animals. He had you know, watched a few videos, but if those videos kind of shied away from the true graphic nature of what it is like to be there set up to catch uh, something entering this world. Mm -hmm. And I think that he begins to just throw up. Mm -hmm. uh, like, as this pig is coming out, he's like th actively throwing up and kind of like falls down on his hands and knees uh, and the crowd all is kind of, you know, rightfully disgusted by this kind of combination of like blood and birth fluid and such exiting while also watching this teen heaving on the ground. How does Allison react to this? <sighs> Allison is half repulsed, half entranced kind of, there's that weird physicality of like, this is how we all get here. And yet seeing it is, is kind of a biological thing you don't normally experience. And yet she feels protective of Wagner. And so she picks up Wagner and is trying to shield Wagner's eyes. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you don't need to look, but Wagner is doing that sort of pig head twist. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my head around your hands. I'm going to look. Can I can I throw in a little more here? Oh sure, go for yeah, it. I mean, so, um, if you don't know this, sometimes pigs do have trouble giving birth, and uh, the people who who assist with that are are called on in moments. So, what happens next is this this 
young fellow who was vomiting is kind of pulled to the side and somebody's like, all right, you know, Johnson, get in here and we need a, we need a slender set of hands. And this bone thin young guy comes in with an immensely like shoulder length long latex glove and reaches in to help pull forth the, the piglets to assist with the birth. And often, you know, the person with the smallest hands is the one who has to help birth the piglets. And it's, 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 go- it's going along well as, as these things go. The, the vet tech who's kind of running the show, she's calling out saying, you know, like, that's piglet number four. Crowd cheers. That's piglet number five. Yay! And, you know, people are kind of spontaneously giving names to the piglets based on how curly their tail is or how they've got dark feet or whatever. And then they pull out Piglet 12, and the, the, the vet tech says, that's it. You know, this, this sow has given birth to her full litter, and uh, thank you so much for attending. And Johnson says, well, hang on a moment. There's, there's one more. There's a 13th Piglet. And reaches in and, and has to struggle. He's, he's working at it for a while. And when he pulls out that 13th Piglet, it has the exact same color markings as Wagner, the exact same patches of black and pink. And in that moment, Allison feels sort of horrified, like, what, what's going on here? What does Wagner know? So I feel like I need a ruin roll. <clears throat> That's fair. I rolled a one. How can I be so impervious to this? I'm just going to take the ruin, the dice be damned. It is it is horrifying uh, in its own special way. All right, but I need a good condition. Mm. Do any of the conditions in the book make sense here? Show some of them off. I can see an argument almost for like crippling nostalgia of like thinking about like the times when Wagner was a piglet. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll tie in with my sisterly rivalry. All right, good. Yeah, yeah, that that all all stacks stacks on top of each other really well. Fabulous, thank you. Yeah, I think that might be a good place then to move into ring three. I feel like we got we got ring two, ring two well represented. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. All right, so ring three. So ring three, the day wears on. Food no longer provides pleasure. Crowds grow impossibly thick. There are whispers that this must be a day of record-breaking attendance. Blaine, who is the big attraction at the con- the grandstand stage concert this year? Mm, I think you already set this up for us. So I don't think I don't think the fair is doing well enough to actually have Bob Dylan. Uh, but I think we have a Bob Dylan impersonator <laughs> booked, and there's there's controversy because it is an impersonator who spans like Dylan's entire career. Uh, <laughs> so there is there is some like post going electric Bob Dylan that like with this being a heritage music theme, there are some people who are very upset that it isn't just entirely acoustic Dylan. And so, oh, from here we need to foreshadow blood on the tracks at the very least. So with that in mind, 
One by one, the Butter Princess sculptures are revealed in the Dairy Building, but the best of the twelve, the real Butter Princess, will not be declared until later. Sunlight catches your eye as it glares off of two rodeo champions comparing their belt buckles. Prove you are worthy to complete your drive. Oh, I know you want to play with this, so we're just going to dive right into it. Stepping away from that that competition at the dart booth, you know, your your cheek perhaps bandaged up by that that dairy maiden, that milk maiden has you know given you a, a nice bandage. Um, you're stepping away, and you feel a a hand kind of clutching yours, and a voice says, "Papa, I." I also want a tortoise. This is not uh, your child holding your hand. What does <laughs> but there's a, a child holding your hand, perhaps lost. I think at first, Gordon, um, I think that Gordon probably doesn't like children a whole lot. Um, I think because he is uh, essentially a man-child, I think, like, Children make him uncomfortable because they kind of reveal to they're a sort of mirror mm. that shows him that he is probably not as mature as uh, a person his age should be. So I think at first he like like immediately like lets go of the child's hand and is like, what 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 what's going on? And then like social norms kick in and he realizes like this is a lost child and he's like uh, i'm i'm not your papa but we should where are your parents would a tall pitcher of cool milk help right now because <laughs> one's at arm's reach if you need it the the child looks up and does that quavering lip thing like uh, 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 don't, don't 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 cry don't don't cry we'll find you we'll find your parents uh, and I think like Gordon just kind of starts looking around. Not that he like the crowds are so big, like not that he's actually going to spot anyone, but just like kind of looking around his surroundings. And I think he does like look to like one of the contest booths as like maybe a way to get something that will keep this kid from breaking out into tears. <laughs> That's amazing. So what, looking at page 38, do you want to pick a contest you're going to lure this child to? <laughs> what could? So I think, uh, despite the fact that this is something that a child would have no interest in, I think maybe uh, the auction of collectibles. Oh, of course, you have to. Because like, that is what Gordon is intrigued by. But like, I'm sure there's like an action figure or something that like oh, you yeah. can try to get for this kid to like, keep the kid from crying before they go like find security or his parents. All right. But like the first thing is like Gordon not liking children absolutely does not want to hear this child like start wailing. So he's just trying to like the quickest way possible, get like a stuffed animal or something to be like, here, shut up kid. All right. So, so in that moment when this child is doing that quavering lip about to cry thing, the, ah, you hear a, a voice call out, Auction starting in five minutes. Tin toy collectibles, wind-ups, action figures, tchotchkes of all sorts, vintage ceramics, 
butter dishes of antiquity. It goes on. Uh, and so I think Gordon is like, here, let's go see if your parents are all bidding on any of the auctions. Parents like to do that. The, as you're saying this, that you, you've been holding a cotton candy wand half eaten in your hand for a while. And the, the kid, like it kind of dro- droops down to the kid's face and the kid's like, just grabs and he yanks a chunk of your cotton candy off. I think Gordon sighs, but is like, it in their face. All right. Like this is a problem that needs to be solved. And like, if, if the cotton candy will buy, a minute or two of silence from this this child then he like kind of dejectedly hands the rest of the cotton candy to the kid and and Iqbal is watching you from a slight distance he hasn't even begun to compete but he's got a like a warm up preparatory hot dog that he just does that thing where you dunk the bun and the beer and you slide the hot dog straight in and the bun goes in right behind it and he finishes it off with a little round of beer and looks over at your cotton candy and he's like yeah i'm not sure <laughs> i think gordon's like it, it, it tastes good like what, what do you want from me iqbal and he's like have, have you seen this this kid's parents iqbal's like ah, man i people come to the fair for different reasons some of us are professionals some of us are here for the long run gordon deliberately trying to play into your apocalyptic long run you know let's see what happens in the next age iqbal uh yes i think gordon like motion i don't think he wants to touch the child at all but he like motions the kid he's like come on let's go find your parents Ooh, are you tottering into the, the auction or like off to like some safety services booth? Uh, I think so. I think now that the kid has taken the cotton candy, I think he'll actually just try to find security. Okay. Um, and it, like very irritatedly, like he's looking at the auctions and he's like, kid, I'm going to, I'm going to lose on the salt and the pewter salt and pepper shakers now. All right. Give me a risk roll here. All right. Do I have? And in terms of trophy drag, I suppose we're supposed to discuss what can go wrong. What I'm picturing going wrong is that security services thinks that you've actually abducted this child. Yeah, I think that's a that's an, the the most likely. Um. Yeah, I mean, even just potentially like n- not finding security services and having to like continue oh, to take this kid around. Even better, I love that. Which, you know. Gordon just absolutely hates that idea. That's even better. And like, if he can find security services and hand this kid off to them, like there's a chance he could get back to the auctions in time. But like, yeah, if he has to drag this kid around somewhere else. He is absolutely not going to make it to the auction. That is a thousand percent better. <laughs> and get the, the pewter salt and pepper shakers. He really wants painted like actual cheese curds. All right. Do I have a skill? I don't think so. I could probably make an argument for vigilance, but I don't want to just keep leaning on vigilance. I could see appraisal in the sense of where is the most likely source of security services from here. Yeah, yeah, that could be. It's uh, I'll do appraisal then. Do you have a devil's bargain? Ooh, do I? Yes, I absolutely do. 
your mother has come to the state fair today also, and she sees you with this child handing this child to security services. Oh, yeah, I have to take that. There's there's so many ways that that could go wrong later that I can't not take that. So what, do light dice, dark die, you're risking mind or body? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's an argument if security services were to think that I have abducted this child, there's definitely a risk to my body. But that's our if it goes wrong. I think you just got two light dice right now. Yeah, and I don't think... I think my feat of hubris of sales, I think, might come into play, depending on how badly this goes, but I don't think I'm going to use that. Right. Now, right now, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to get the kid back. All right. I'm going to roll two light. That's a one and a three. All righty. Do you want to add a dark die to go for success? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to risk it. Security services says, excuse me, sir, where did you find this child? <laughs> well, need to set these dice aside, because the light dice rolled a one and a three again. Ooh. But I did get a five on the dark die. All right. Uh, so my ruin's going to go up. And success with complication. I feel like the complication, since we've taken that devil's bargain, is is your mom, is they're saying... In the midst when security's kind of questioning you, they're saying, you know, where did you find this child, sir? And you're feeling perhaps a little flustered, I don't know. Um, Because you're innocent, truly, but security is not treating you that way. And then your mom arrives, badgering further. Gordon, what are you doing here? Have I taught you nothing? And security is a little baffled. Uh, And I think that, like, and Gordon already has like some slightly immature tendencies, but I think when his mother is around, there's like a full reversion. And so he's like, geez, mom, I was just, like, this kid lost his parents. I'm, I'm just trying to help them. And the, like these security guards won't believe me. And I think he even almost like starts to like hyperventilate a little bit, like almost like he's a child about to start crying. Oh, in that moment, security is, you know, trying to, to sort of uh, assist both of you and, and the dynamic and the child all at the same time. There's a, a sort of a high-pitched voice of, there you are, darling. And the, and the family comes running up to recollect their child and security sort of detaches, checking IDs, making sure this is actually the proper, the, the proper family for this child. And in that moment, you notice your mom has a stuffed animal under her arm. What is it? Mm. So I think, I think it's probably a stuffed animal that she got for Gordon. But I think like in that like parental way of like knowing that Gordon likes cartoons, but never actually remembering that his favorite cartoon is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think it's like a knockoff transformer. Nice. Uh, like a giant stuffed, like, looks kind of like Megatron, but like legally distinct enough to not get sued. Plushy or hard plastic? What are you picturing? I think it's a stuffed animal because that's like a real weird, like, yeah. I don't know if Transformer stuffed animals have ever actually existed. I like it though. So, so your mom says, you know, Gordon, I, I'm sorry about last night, but. Um, I got you this this stuffed Megatron. 
with foldable kangaroo spice storage pouch. And she hands it over to you. Mom. And I think he like holds it and like he he starts being like, Mom, that's I'm, I don't know how many times I have to tell you I collect teenage mutant and, and he's and like he kind of starts to trail off and like he can't ever like really be upset at his mother. Uh and so he's like, Thanks, mom. Uh it's really cool. It comes with complimentary paprika, and she totally mispronounces paprika. <laughs> she doesn't actually know what that spice is. <laughs> uh, and Gordon is not surprised by that at all. That feels like a good time to jump over to Allison. Perfect. So I think that Allison is kind of moving down the thoroughfare and is like exited the other side of the Miracle of Birth Barn and now is kind of moving down. Uh, the area where they have all of the different contests. There are hawkers trying to drive people in to all of these different, you know, there's some small, there's go-karts, there's uh, a karaoke contest. There are some less intriguing ones, like some of the standard carnival games. I think there's probably that booth with the, like, water guns that you have to try and shoot the bullseye Mm -hmm. to get your horse to move across. And I think that kind of just the next row over is where you have some of the ride. Uh, And you can begin to hear this commotion of both kind of fairgoers freaking out uh, and security rushing. One of the rides has sort of catastrophically malfunctioned. Uh, What ride has broken down? Ooh. All right. The Mumu Megalodon. It is like, you know, like the tube float things where you like get in an inner tube, you float down the water. Yeah. That, but on a sort of a spinny thing controlled by a giant animatronic Megalodon below the water. And each rider is floating in the tube and this Megalodon is supposed to chase them open its mouth like it's about to eat them, and then they get flung to safety. And it starts flinging them a little too hard, a little too fast. People wind up, like, clinging to the roof of the haunted house. Oh, no. Clinging to the the edge of the cheese curd booth. Somebody hits that, that burlap corn slide, and they go cascading down. Like, patrons are flinging everywhere. Oh, no. One of them might even be flung right at me and and Wagner. Who knows? Yeah. So I think what I'm going to do with that, I'm going to ask, what was the contest that Allison was most hoping to enter to win a visitation with the the Dairy Princess? Oh, like win the contest, get a visit with the Dairy Princess. So yeah, Allison is a little bit of a celebrity. The the people at the state fair know her. That may or may not be true. She believes that. Um, to enter the karaoke would be too easy. She would she would just crush the karaoke competition, and so she can't enter the karaoke competition. She has to sort of disguise herself a little bit, like otherwise people know. And I feel like as a as a social justice warrior who has a service animal. It is up to me to enter the greased pig competition and prove the wrongness of this very competition by competing in it. 
my service animal Wagner may have to watch me in this moment of disgrace as I show society that this is a competition that is a thing of the past that must be set aside. And I, I hope Wagner still looks upon me favorably after my competing. Oh, well, with that answer, I can't do what I was originally going to do, which was have, have a flying fairgoer destroy it. Because <laughs> oh. uh, we need to see that. So I think what happens actually is they're setting up to do this, this greased pig wrestling competition. And Allison is fully prepared to, to enter and show the injustice. And um, what actually ends up happening is one of the fairgoers from the Moo Moo Megalodon has like flown up and over <laughs> and landed on the fence of the corral, keeping the pig inside. And so this greased pig busts out of its enclosure and is running right at you Ooh, with Wagner in the way <sighs> this feels like a moment to call in my operatic skills and call in Banshee Shriek my, my feet of hubris to, to shriek so loudly in, in, a, in a language pigs would understand to get this pig to come to a halt perfect alright so let's talk about this risk roll what could go wrong here uh, there's a lot. I'm trampled by a pig and thus emotionally scarred, and I have a service animal who's a pig. <laughs> yeah, that's that feels like the worst, uh, is that you may never be able to trust a pig again, uh, shaking you to your core. If you weren't already adding a dark die uh, for the feat of hubris, I would say that that automatically calls uh, risking your mind into play. Right. Yeah, I think that's the best worst-case scenario here. There's not anything that's more interesting for Allison. So skills, slight die, does resist, resistance feel useful? Yeah, I think that you're you're trying to... Resist the charge? Resist the charge. So, and then you're going to get a dark die for using Banshee Shriek. Yep, Devil's Bargains. Um, This feels very cruel. But one that comes to mind is potentially uh, in stopping this pig from trampling you. Wagner gets away, and you're going to have to chase Wagner through the fair. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Wagner gets away for sure. Uh, so that gives you uh, two light and a dark. All right. Oh, dear God. Uh, both a light six and a dark six. What happens there? I don't know that I've rolled that before. <laughs> Uh, if I remember correctly, in trophy parlance, uh, the forest always wins. All right, let's take it. Uh, so the, the fair always wins. The fair always wins. So I'm going to five ruin. Um, but that was a full success. So what does it, what does it look like? Oh, so, so yeah, this person gets flung from the Moo Moo Megalodon. I still can't believe I made up that name. <laughs> that is. <laughs> I want to see that ride. Uh, exquisite and terrifying. Um, so, so Ryder gets flung off the moon and Megalodon breaks down the fence that holds the greased pig. Greased pig charges forth. I realize that my, my tiny Wagner is in danger and Wagner is my all, my everything. And so I just reflexively like crouched on into this kind of mama boar defensiveness 
mama sow, I guess might be the proper term, but anyway, like the mama bear board sow defensiveness and just scream out in an original operatic Wagner, this Sama jetzt ein Pferd, Krieger Magd, kind of like, uh, you know, bridle your horse, you warrior maid. And, and oddly, that not just causes this greased pig to sort of skid to an oily halt, sort of, sort of sliding, like drifting almost right in front of us. But it happened right in front of the, the, Minnesota Public Radio booth, and they caught that on audio. <laughs> okay, I, that could be good, good or bad. Perfect. Yeah, I think you you stop this greased pig in its tracks, but we see it. I feel like this probably gives us a good natural lead into Ring Four. We see Wagner kind of break free of your grasp and run off towards the grandstand stage. Beautiful. Where in mere moments, Rob Rob Dillard, Rob Rob Dillard is about to start playing. Yeah, um, but I do think that despite not actually wrestling it in the contest, by stopping the pig, Allison does get a uh, an audience with the Butter Princess. Oh, that's sort of she's heard of you. Yeah, you you did a solid for the contest uh, and so you uh, i think it is only fair receive the special prize that they were going to give away in the next round of sour wrestling because they have to cancel it now for a little while until someone can come and fix the fence so right yeah do we want to give a similar potential for uh gordon um or move into i see your point in transitioning during four yeah and i think that i think that Gordon deciding to help the child, no matter how much he didn't want to. Yeah, we can, we can, I can work with that. I got it. All right. I know where we're going. Okay. We got your transition. Okay. Ring four pressure as the grandstand concert begin. Lights flicker on the sun sets. Stamina wanes, but the fair goes on. The grandstand stage concert begins with a roar of the crowd. Allison, what a horrible memory does this music elicit? Oh, have have you ever tried to sing opera to a banjo? <laughs> I have not. Has anyone? It it cannot be done. And as children, I. My musical prowess on on its ascendancy. Margie was there on the porch in her rocking chair, twanging out that damned banjo, trying to trying to do Bob Dylan. She even had the harmonica and the washboard like on her belly, trying to do all of them at once, rocking on the porch, stomping her feet for a rhythm and her arrhythmic rhythms, if we can call it that. Uh, her discordant wailing, her poorly tuned banjo. I there was nothing I could do but to to leave the family farm to perform in privacy. I I had to just get away from that racket. And there it is again. I can hear it. Rob Dillard on the stage in his damn rocking chair, twanging away. 
Uh, what does what does Rob Dillard open with? Oh shit! I don't know Bob Dylan well enough for that. I feel like it it just has to be like the worst possible opening. So I think it's like a like twelve minute banjo rendition of All Along the Watchtower. <laughs> That's so people can take their seats. That's perfect. yeah. Just it's it's very nice. It's a it's a Bob Dylan impersonator, so it's not like the like this is like a real concert, right? And like like the crowd's showing up a little bit late because it's not really Bob Dylan, and so a twelve minute rendition of All Along the Watchtower is fabulous because the crowd's like getting their popcorn, getting their plastic cup of beer, settling in, checking their phone for something. Man, I legitimately like Bob Dylan, and I think if I entered a Bob Dylan impersonator concert to a 12-minute banjo rendition of All Along the Watchtowers, I'd walk out. The guy does look and sound surprisingly like Bob Dylan. Uh, like, he he is a, a functional Bob Dylan impersonator, um, but just does, like, the weirdest choices of, like, electric versions of acoustic songs and acoustic versions of electric songs and, like, just obviously does not get the heart of any of the songs. So the carving of all 12 butter princesses is complete. They will crown a winner soon, and you will know this year's true butter princess. So I think Allison is kind of like trying to push her way into this, the, the grandstand concert. And like, we've established no one's in a hurry to get to their seats, uh, which makes it particularly frustrating because like Wagner is somewhere in here and like, Mm -hmm. you need to find Wagner. And there's like all of these people clogging up the aisles and like stopping to chit chat with, you know, the person they know is the bank teller at the bank and like they know each other in passing. So they have now chosen this exact moment when you need to get by to stop and talk to this person that they like, can't even remember the name of because they're not wearing their name badge. So how is Allison trying to like push through this crowd? So uh, I've got my cell phone in hand and I'm checking my find a piglet app. <laughs> and there's so many people at this fair that I can't get service. Like it, it's just this sort of like delayed lag and it's just frustrating me to no end. And I am sure that somebody who works here has special access to like the, the fair's private Wi-Fi that's not clogged up by 170,000 visitors today. And so what I'm going to do is use my, my sense of snobbery and well, actually, yeah, my sense of snobbery. No, my network. I'm going to use my skill of network here. I think that's fair. To um, go up to somebody who's wearing some official state fair attire and say, look, uh, my sister Margie Depke, uh, she's one of your butter sculptors. And uh, oh yeah, Margie, I yeah, you know when I was in high school, I went on a date with Margie. Oh oh, she still talks about you so fondly. Yes, I've. Oh, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah. So, um, but here's the thing: is I've lost my my pig, my support pig, Wagner, and um, I can't. I can't get my find a piglet app to work on my phone because too many people at the fair as it happens. And uh, can you just give me the private Wi-Fi password for the state fair? 
Oh. Just for a moment. Well, I'm not really supposed to give that out. Uh, both I and Margie would be so grateful. Oh, well, it is. It is for Margie. It is. I, I think she's on the fairgrounds today, actually, tonight. Uh, yeah, let's have you have you do a networking role here. Light die for the skill. Light die for the skill. I don't think, unless you want to offer up a way that your body or mind is at risk, I don't think. I don't think this is an inherently risky proposition. Uh, not yet. We had devil's bargains. Maybe uh, no matter what, this security guard is going to require you to pass his phone number on to Margie. <laughs> so you're going to have to see her. Going to have to talk to Margie face to face. Yeah, I like that. That's good. All right. Two light dice, but have to talk to Margie face to face. Here we go. Four and a two. Um, let's add a dark die and risk mind and body to succeed here. Um, I feel like that's with your emotional support pig uh, being at risk here. That seems fair. Yeah, and like this is this is important to me. You don't understand. I know you're fond of Margie. Margie and I don't always talk. It, you know, you, you probably know that. Um, and so if you don't mind, I just prefer to, and like, I'm hitting this kind of emotional crisis moment of like, where is Wagner in my head? Like, I just need Wagner and give me the Wi-Fi password. And that's my, my reason for adding a dark day here. Uh, oh dear. A four on the dark and it's high. Um, not increasing my ruin, but that's the end of the dice. Yeah. Um, so that's still a success with a complication. Yeah. All right. What's my complication, man? Hmm. And I took a devil's bargain, so I have to talk to Margie. Yes, yeah, so I think the the security guard like gives you the private Wi-Fi access, and he writes. I think he takes out a piece of paper and he writes down the Wi-Fi password and his name and phone number. Yeah. And hands it to you, and he's like, I'm not supposed to give you this, so I'd really appreciate it if you pass that phone number on to, on to Margie. You know, I know we're both not seeing anyone right now, so it would be, be nice to reconnect. All right, good. But in terms, of, in terms of a complication, where's that pig? Like, once I get in, where's that pig at? Yeah. Oh, I think... Beat boop, echolocator finds the pig. Put it in, it echolocates. Uh, and you see a flashing ping and look up and realize that Wagner is sitting uh, right next to Rob Dillard <laughs> on the stage. <laughs> Just sitting right there. Probably the calmest you've seen Wagner all day. Uh, just sitting right next to the rocking chair. Like that... that painting his master's voice where the dog is looking up at the phonograph. Yes. <laughs> the pig just looking at Rob Dillard in admiration. <laughs> I've never heard anything so beautiful in my life. That's got to hurt a little bit for... Yes. <laughs> it's going to hurt a ton. You thought you had trained Wagner well to love opera, and no, he he apparently is a big Rob Dillard fan. <laughs> oh my god. That's incredible. Uh, so do we want to jump over to Gordon real quick before we see how Allison 
Yes. Retrieves Wagner. Yeah. So, um, I think Gordon, you realize that you're, you know, the, the sun's setting, it's getting dark. The grandstand performance is beginning. Crowd's attention is diverted. You're realizing this is your moment to get into the dairy building to make your move. And you see security setting up these kind of, uh, stanchion signs saying, we've got a, we've got a circumstance beyond our control. We need to direct your traffic this way or that. But you, you overhear these two security guards who are setting it up talking and they're like, look in the, in the beyond times, none of this is going to matter. Nothing like none of this. Like it is sure we're here making money, but what money, what use is money going to be in like even five years from now money useless. So that's, that's why I got this. And the guy kind of pulls aside his little security jacket and flashes a tchotchke to the other security guard. What do you see? So before I figure out exactly what I say, this requires the answer to a very important question, which is what is Gordon's online forum name? (laughs) Ah, and that is, I think it is, um, I think the, I mean, we've mentioned this a bunch of times. So I think the, the main tchotchke that Gordon deals in is uh, salt and pepper shakers. Because mm-hmm. they're just easy, they're compact enough and usually like solidly built enough that like the, he thinks they're like the perfect tchotchke for currency. So I think that his name on the like, the the next age forums is uh, salt and pepper boy, salt and pepper boy, <laughs> and so like he gets super excited that like there's there's another another collector, uh, and he gets up and like continues the hushed tones and he's like, yeah yeah man if you don't know like tchotchkes tchotchkes are the future, you think that this whole thing can stand much longer the government's bloated it's going to collapse and 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 paper money is only like only backed by a promise that the government's going to last and like it's going to be it's going to be toilet paper and he, in the next age security guard looks already says is that the stuffed megatron you got there yeah and he says i could uh Maybe interest you in a trade. What what do you got? I'm saying, well, you know, the the thing that people are going to want in the future is shakers. Like, how are think about this? Where do spices come from? Oh yeah, man, not Minnesota. Right out of the right out of the shaker. Like in Minnesota, milk is a spice. We're going to need anything: cinnamon, cayenne, chili pepper. Doesn't matter, but you need to be able to shake it to distribute it evenly on your hot dish casserole or you got nothing. So shakers are the thing. And at this moment, the other security guard kind of interjects sort of almost shoulders into the side and says, this is the land of dairy. Butter, butter's all you need. I got the keys. Oh, you both make interesting points 
I'm going to have to write a blog post about this later. What is butter or spice? Ooh, blog, blog post. Um, I've got a, I've got a blog too. It's called uh hashtag Segway security. <laughs> and the other guy interjects, uh, but no, 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 no. You know, you know, mine's better. You follow me. I don't follow you, buddy. <laughs> and he says, mine's uh, MN. What? I'm bad at hashtags. Um, oh, I just thought of an offensive one. Scrapping that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> with, with the conspiracy theorists, it is uh, it's easy to go down that road. Pretend I said an offensive hashtag and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Insert your own offensive hashtag here. So you can choose between the Segway riding salt shaker dealing security guard or the perhaps offensive but butter driven security guard i think gordon like really has to ponder it for a moment and then he's talking he's like to the to segue hashtag segue security he's like I, I don't disagree with you i do think that shakers are the thing of the future um but i really need to see the butter princess um, but I'll, I'll totally follow you. I'm hashtag salt and pepper boy. Uh, I'll follow you when I get home. All right. That security guard size. He's like, and he, the other guard, he's like, fine. And he pulls out his wallet, pulls out two $5 bills, slaps a pair of keys on him and hands them to the, the butter guard. as we'll call him. You win, and he walks off into the darkness as you hear polka music beginning to rise, kind of oompa, oompa, oompa. Oh, clashing with the banjo, Dylan. It's just... Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of reluctantly, because like he also knows that like when he gets home, his mom is going to ask him about the Megatron stuffed animal. Uh, hands the the Megatron stuffed animal over to the to the guard with the keys. Nice, huh? This seems like a an audio segue here for. Um, I only know a few Ojibwe powwow songs, but there's um, the Ojibwe Air Force song is Ishpiming Baba Ayayan Ningo Dagashin Oma Akin, and it's um, while I'm flying around I will arrive safely back on earth is what the lyrics mean. Mm. And I feel like to add to our musical discordance, we're hearing the long play of banjo Bob Dylan from one end of the park, the beginning of the polka oompa sort of cacophony. And then from the heritage music festival, the, the Ojibwe air force song sort of echoing into each other from three different precincts. Excellent. Whew. And I feel like that brings us back, I think, sadly, to Rob Dillard. And we see Wagner sitting there next to the rocking chair. I think maybe even like tentatively, like we see Wagner like put his, his little hoofs up on the side of the rocking chair, like he wants to get up on Rob Dillard's lap and Rob Dillard is like swatting him away in between banjo runs and like, kind of like looking off to the side for like some security guard to like, come get this pig off the stage. (laughs) But like security doesn't give a shit about this show. This is terrible. So like, 
uh, the couple security guards that are like there to stop people from getting backstage are really just like not paying any attention to what's going on on stage. Um, I think they're barely paying attention to like actually stopping people from getting backstage. Cause like, what's the worst that's going to happen if someone gets on stage while Rob Dillard is, <laughs> is playing. Uh, so what does Allison do? Oh, Allison's elbowing her way through trying to use her, her vocal training to clear the path. Maybe not quite at that level of a feat of hubris yet, but that's sort of not. I'm here for my pig, please clear path. In an elegant voice that should cut through the, the crowd, cut through the banjo cacophony, cut through Rob Dillard. Um, and every now and then it's punctuated by Wagner, Wagner, in this sort of falsetto British accent that she doesn't actually have in real life. She just talks to Wagner this way in private moments. Excellent thinking that somehow that tone of voice appeals to the pig. We might be in this moment learning that the pig has a different sense of what sounds right. That's true. I don't think we already made you roll to get the Wi-Fi password. So I don't think I want to make like, I don't want to turn this into another role necessarily. Also, we need to see Allison get through this ring so that Allison can see her sister in the next ring. Well, I was about to say that, or is, is, is Margie a really big Rob Dillard fan and she's in the audience right this moment? <laughs> oh, that's, that is potentially good too. I was imagining you were going to meet at the sculptures, but. I can certainly see the drama in making it there, but also the vision of Margie wearing like a Rob Dillard t-shirt. <laughs> I think what happens is again, the security guards do not care whatsoever so i think that you are able to actually like without rolling or anything easily able to get like by them to take the stairs up to the stage and like it's not a big stage but it's the biggest stage of the fair um and there are like some wings off to the side and you see like three hardcore rob dillard fans who all won a radio contest earlier this week for backstage passes to the Rob Dillard show. Mm. And I think Margie is one of the three. Mm. And so she's standing there with, um, I think that like each, I think Rob Dillard, even if he's not the headliner plays at the fair every year and every year they release a new Rob Dillard t-shirt that is him recreating different Bob Dylan album covers. And so this year, I think it's the like blood on the tracks, like the hand sketched Bob Dylan face, but with Rob Dillard, who looks close to Bob Dylan, but I don't like not close enough that the t-shirt doesn't look like an off brand knockoff of a Bob Dylan t-shirt. How's your relationship with Margie? Like, I know you don't like Margie. How does Margie feel about you? Oh, that's intriguing. Um, let's say that I'm the the older, more egotistical older sister. Um, that was redundant, I know. But anyway, egotistical older sister. And that uh, Margie's looked up to me as as a person who sort of broke away from the family farm and, and got to the big city and showed what was out there. and that showed Margie that there was a, 
potential career in sculpting, you know, anything, butter in particular, but that sculpture would be a, a viable career, which on a farm normally, that's not a thing you need to do. Yeah, that is fantastic. I love it. So I think with that, like the second Margie sees you, she's like, oh my God, Allison, I haven't, it's so good to see you. And she like runs up to give you a giant hug. Oh, how does Allison react to? I'm looking at the skill I have cancel and I feel like I need to use it just because it's <laughs> one of my skills. Um, it's a little brutal, but yeah, I'm at ruin five and the fair is digging its heels into me and I don't have my support pig. So I'm going to kind of stiff armor and say, look, I'm, I'm here for Wilbur right now. We'll talk later, Margie. Um, oh, by the way, uh, uh, was it Samantha sends their regards? Uh, she's like, oh, Samantha's such a dear. She always sends me the nicest letters. Why don't you ever call Allison? I, the opera keeps me busy. I, rehearsals, uh, tending to Wagner. Like there's, there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, oh, I'm sure you understand. What was, let's finally ask this question. What was the bad performance that you're remembered for? Oh, so I had, I had the moment there on the, the promontory overlooking the Mississippi river at the, the ruins of the mill city museum. I was performing Madame butterfly. And yet logistically somebody, I, I don't know if they didn't, check the river traffic that day or if it was a deliberate sabotage i think it was a deliberate sabotage honestly that's what it felt like the speedboats came by with the the practicing uh river rats they call them the water skiing pyramid performers um and and they're there below the waterfalls it's I'm sure it was a spectacle to be seen, but not one to be heard, if you understand me. Mm, yeah. The way that reverberated off the walls of the, the, the mill ruins just distracted me so that I literally forgot my lines, and I, I had to leave the stage. Mm. It, was, it was the most humiliating moment of my life, and that was really where my career tanked. I, I was on the ascendancy until speedboats took me down. It's hard to come back. I think that uh, that when you mentioned that your your opera career has been keeping you busy, uh, Margie's like, "Oh yeah, I I saw the Mountain Butterfly show you did. It was so good. I'm so proud of you for getting up there. And like, I know that there were some distractions, but you did such a good job, sis." Do you remember those swallowtail butterflies that were on the family farm? I do. They don't come around anymore, do they? No. And then I'm going to try and cancel and stiff arm my way through her and security to get my piglet off that stage. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, cancel gives you the light die. I mean, I think this is another scenario where I'll leave it up to you. I don't think that, I don't think that security cares enough that like, if you fail this, like they're not going to rough you up. So Oh, I don't know. I like the image of them roughing me up. I'm throwing the guy in there. Okay. They could easily be like, just instinctively be like, tackle. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that gives you a dark die. 
devil's bargains. I mean, I think there's an easy one in no matter no matter what Margie tells your parents that she ran into you. That seems like it could have some emotional emotional scars attached to it. Like after the fact, you mean? Yeah, like just being like, oh, I saw saw Allison at the fair. Uh, you should give her a call. Got it. Um, Let's amp that up to the present tense because we're getting close to the end probably. Yeah. So what if parents are in the audience? Yeah, that could be a good a good way to potentially scar Allison a little bit. Oh, so the parents are in the audience and I've got a nickname that they know. Oh, that's good. And so I, I hear the calling out of Swallowtail or whatever is, is my, you know. I like it. The parental nickname. I can hear that in the distance maybe. Either egging me on to success or. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, just something now the entire crowd knows your nickname. Yeah. That nickname is going <laughs> to haunt you. Uh, every newspaper article, whether good or bad about your opera career in the future, that's uh, calls you Swallowtail. Excellent. All right. So give that a roll. So two light, one dark. That's a six light is what that is. Oh, excellent. That's good. I was at five ruin. I was a little worried there. Yeah, that was a, a very risky risk roll. Uh, so what, how, how do you succeed in getting Wagner back? Oh, I wish I knew Bob Dylan lyrics better to to improv this right now. But let us say that I I do this perfect sort of transition from twangy banjo into something slightly operatic, turning it into a duet. Me and Rob Dillard, you know, Swallowtail and Rob Dillard. They 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 might say later uh, in the papers, and I I join in. Uh, What's the baby blue? Is that the song? You know, I kind of sing and do that operatic thing where you walk slowly across the stage and Wagner turns his little piglet head and looks at me as well. And I scoop up Wagner and I exit the stage and, you know, hopefully the audience goes wild. Excellent. Perfect. So that might be a good time, I think, to transition to ring five. Yeah, let's do it. Gordon has his way into the Butter Princess. Allison has has Wagner back. I think that we haven't checked in on Iqbal recently, but I think that it's easy enough to say his background is a hot dog eating champ. So I think that he probably won his chance to see the Butter Princess in the hot dog eating contest. Yes, definitely. Um, so I think we you know, have all three of us able to be there. Ring five, desperation in the dairy building. The fireworks finale begins. Darkness punctuated with bursts of light and sound that provide cover for the big butter heist. In the burst of colored lights, you notice a small but somber memorial to aerial stunt performer Kitty Middleton and tightrope walker Lloyd Rellum, performers who died at the fair while entertaining in the masses. What's a good way to make a death look accidental? Mm. I think you could probably, with a tightrope, it's thick enough that you could probably cut a little bit of the way mm-hmm. through it so that it's still taut when the performer walks out onto it. And maybe even when the performer is walking across it, 
it's still not quite enough of a cut to break it with the weight of one person. But when that aerialist flies up doing a couple somersaults and then catches the hands of the tightrope walker and the tightrope walker lowers them down to the rope, the weight of two people would be just enough to break the tightrope. I'm picturing... I don't actually know the physical effects of 90 pounds of butter falling on somebody's head. I don't know if it's a fatal injury, but I can see where it could be. 90 pounds is a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight. Drought, like you don't think of butter as a heavy thing, but 90 pounds of anything is still 90 pounds. Yeah. Uh, does Iqbal have a view on a, a way to make a death look accidental? Mm. I think maybe maybe this is something that has crossed Iqbal's mind. In a hot dog eating contest, if you were to add like a little bit of extra baking soda or yeast to the hot dog buns that you gave to one particular contest so that they uh, expanded more than the average hot dog bun, Uh, You could probably kill someone just by, like, they're anticipating X amount of expansion in their stomach. Right. And if if each bun expands even just a little bit more. Yeah. Right. And untraceable. Untraceable. Yeah. Yeah, it would be tough to... And, like, even if you figured out that there was a little bit of extra whatever in the bun, like, that's easy enough to explain. Like, I, I, I accidentally, like held the dispense button in the factory like a half second too long. Like I, I didn't intentionally kill that person. Yeah. It's clearly the baker was negligent rather than, you know, you sabotaged your competitor. Fabulous. All right. The dairy building is sadly nondescript. It's just a vaguely textured concrete painted a pale crumbling yellow. It doesn't really seem a palace fit for royalty. But within is a horseshoe-shaped arc. Glass-doored refrigerators are filled with a stunning array of milk, cheese, butter, and a row of 11 nearly identical butter busts. At the center of the arc, there is a spotlight on the 12th. A tiara glitters spectacularly from within the glass display case. This is your moment. This really is, is why you're here, Gordon. How are you going to make your move? I think that maybe what Gordon is going to try to do is knowing that like no one really is paying attention to those other 11 busts. You don't come here to see the runners up. You come here for the butter princess. So I think that what Gordon is going to try to do is he's going to try to like swipe the the bust that's in the like least viewed booth as a way to then eventually swap it out with the real butter princess in hopes that it will buy him enough time to abscond with the dairy princess before people realize because like they look close enough and like if he grabs the like 12th place bust that's like all the way at the end of the one line where like no one's looking at that bus. Like two, second and third place, maybe, but twelfth place, no way. And making strong use of that misdirection skill. 
Uh, that's what I'm hoping. Beautiful. All right. I feel like we've not yet talked enough about Iqbal. It's just sort of an experimental thing to try and throw an NPC into this. But um, yeah, what do you feel like Iqbal's move is in Ring 5? Huh. I think, let's look at his skills. <laughs> this just crossed my mind as a possible, as a competitive eater. Maybe Iqbal thinks that the way to prove his love to the real Butter Princess is to try and eat the entire bust <laughs> as quickly as, like, obviously, because, like, security's going to try to stop him at some point. So this is, like, a, a speed-eating contest of, like, can he consume the entire bust before security stops him, thus proving that, like, he's the only one that deserves yes. the Butter Princess. Whether that's the actual Butter Princess that he just ate or the, the model. I, as soon as I, I heard your intake of breath, I knew where you were going. This is the, I must destroy the effigy to prove that. Yes. Like this is, this is a craven image compared to like your true beauty. <laughs> uh, Butter could not possibly capture that. Uh, I feel like we need to like put in a public service, service announcement here. Like do not actually try to eat 90 pounds of butter at home. <laughs> Yes, please do not do that, listeners. Uh, I I don't know what the record for most butter consumed. I have to imagine it is less than 90 pounds. Oh my lord, but I love... In a game, I love the image of this. And, like, poor Iqbal, like, won his spot here by eating, winning an, a hot dog eating contest. So, like, he's gotta already be running out of space. Yeah. But that's just what you got to do to prove your love. Alrighty, and and so what is what is Allison going to do to try and smash her sister's? Yeah, and it's it's not even established if my sister normally in real life it's one person carving all these, but you know, Margie has carved butter before. Whether she's involved in this butter princess thing directly, who knows? But I feel like Margie has a sculpture here, or if nothing else, I'm smashing a butter sculpture that reminds me of Margie's success. And yet Margie was so kind to me just a mere ring ago. Yeah. Poor sweet Margie. I'm, I'm almost regretting the life choices that I've made that have led me here. Says the person at ruin five. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, I feel like visually with Banshee Shriek as my feet of hubris, I need to like step into the room and kind of pull off the full operatic thing where you shatter the glass, like psh, 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 psh. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then stride forth, but then smash is a strong word. Wagner is back in my hands. What I need to do is shatter that glass and then bring, bring Wagner forth to just lick the butter sculpture. <laughs> I like it. You don't necessarily need to need to destroy the entire thing. Like, you know, if, if he's had a moment to lick it, it's destroyed in my mind. And even to some extent, just smashing all of the glass mm. is going to destroy that. Like, there's no longer refrigeration at that point. Oh, yes. Good so, point. like, in time, it's going to be destroyed no matter what. Right. When the air conditioning conks out, these butters are gone. Excellent. So yeah, is that, uh, do we want to do like a group contest role? 
Uh, we could, but what are the crowds going to do in response to us? Let's talk about that for a second. That's true, too. I mean... This is not a vacant room. There's there's crowds. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, like, I don't know. I mean, someone in the crowd might try to stop us. At the very least, there's got to be security here that would have an interest in us not. Right, but you just earned your way in with security. So I feel like you've got the keys. You traded it's true. your uh, uh, stuffed Megatron. You've got the inside edge with security, so how do you distract security to grab your 11th bust or 12th bust, whatever it was? Mm. Is it just that they've got their their, uh, like sort of shoulder-mounted walkie-talkies and they're like, oh, this is, this is the, I didn't write down your hashtag, um, hashtag salt and pepper boy, right? Yeah, salt and pepper boy. Is this salt and pepper boy? Uh, he's, he's in the building. Oh, all right. And they just sort of step aside and gesture towards class display case number 12. That's a possibility, although I don't want to, like, my, my trade bought me the keys. I don't know if it necessarily bought them being complicit in doing something that could cause them to lose their jobs. So a risky roll with misdirection, maybe? Yeah, I think maybe... Maybe what I try to do is like knowing that this this handful of security guards are all into like doomsday prepping. Mm. Uh, maybe I try to like point out like, oh, I don't know if you saw it, but there's this amazing set of salt and pepper shakers over at this one one booth. But I saw someone getting ready to buy it, uh, and just try to like get them distracted enough, yeah, that I can slip in and get the get the sculpture and there's the bandolier mounted salt and pepper shakers oh yes like you know perfect for kind of being on the, on the move yes yeah just a bandolier i have to imagine like this feels like a like midwest thing to me like it's a set of salt and pepper shakers that are shaped to look like bullets <laughs> that fit into this bandolier perfect uh and so like it's a ba- it looks like a, a bandolier of ammunition like it normally would be but like each one is a salt or like a, a spice shaker right yeah the entire spice array is just like salt pepper but also then like cayenne nutmeg oregano and it's like really nicely like hand etched into the side of each bullet like the name of the spice that goes into it uh someone took a lot of care with this whole artisanal uh, and it burns a little bit because, like, Gordon really wants that. But, like, the Butter Princess is more important. All right. So that'll be one die for misdirection. Yeah, Devil's Bargains. Um, got a faint idea for Devil's Bargain, but I don't know if it's good. Is that... No, it's not a good one. Sorry. All right, it kind of is. The air conditioning goes out, and the heat ramps up drastically quickly in here. And so you've got this sort of slithery mass of butter. I like that. Cause that's good. Even if I fail and don't get it, like that puts pressure on everyone now that like, we need to, we need to do this quick. Yep. I will definitely take that. And I think like, there's probably an innate risk here. Um, just of like, if I get caught. Yeah. The crowds might tear you limb from limb. Like you, you're interfering with the butter. Yeah. And I do think because I'm interacting with the guards to like, try and misdirect them. I'm also just going to, like, I'm going to use my sales feats of hu- feet of hubris. Oh, okay. Um, to try and, like, sell them extra hard. So, like, a dark die no matter what. Ooh, what does that sound like before you throw the dice? What, how are you selling them? What are you saying? I think it's just, like, uh, uh, like, the best sales pitch I can possibly put on for this. Like, 
just think about in the, in the age to come, like this bandolier can have so many uses. Like even if you take it off and like you can use it as a rope, but then it's got all of those spices. And, you know, like we talked about spices, spice is what's going to rule the world in the age to come. Amazing. All right. So we got two light, one dark. Well, uh, I got a six light and a six dark. Ooh. Uh, so we are going to get what I want, but my ruin is also now at five. Excellent. So yeah, I think that like I'm able to work these two security guards up into like such a frenzy since I'm putting that extra like feet of hubris spin on it that like they don't even bother. Like they let people know via walkie talkie that they're leaving their station. But like they don't wait for replacements to come. They leave their they leave their station and are just like, hey, some other people need to come watch watch the butter shed. Uh, and so like there's this pretty sizable gap of time where like we've got an audience of people, but there are no security guards whatsoever. Yes. And one of them says the spice is the life. I've also read Dune. <laughs> And he turns to the other one, and as they walk away, abandoning the station, they're kind of doing like a subliminal Sardo car chant. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes, that is absolutely perfect. See, so yeah, Gordon is able to like use the keys that he got to open up Buttershed number 11, and like no one's paying attention to it. The crowd all in here is looking at the first first place butter princess with her gorgeous tiara. And so he's able to like quickly get it out of there before hearing the like chunk chunk of the fans in the AC unit. Yep. That was temperature. Beautiful. So, yeah. So, um, I think as far as like timeline goes, it probably makes the most sense to talk about Allison. Yeah. Uh, and then, Potentially Iqbal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Allison, you know, you got a free ticket to the display. So like you had to kind of wind your way through the line to get in here, but you are welcomed in. I think maybe security is gone, but there's like one member of the butter council (laughs) that's here to like welcome people and kind of like hype up like what you are about to see. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is the most amazing feat of artistry. Carving marble is fine, but marble stays a solid no matter the temperature. Can you imagine how hard it must be to carve this delicious 90-pound block of fine Minnesota butter into the face of of the future of dairy. Come see the butter princess. <laughs> That's a fabulous intro. I uh, like, I don't think he's inside. I think he's standing outside and like welcome ushers everyone one by one. And he gives like that exact same speech to each person that walks up. And then like with a grand sweep of the arm motions you into the butter shed. But I see him wearing these beautiful butter yellow judicial robes. You know, yes, regal beyond need. Um, I have not used my feet of hubris service animal, even though I've tucked along Wagner for this this entire thing. 
so it's time. Um, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. I need to get to the front. And uh, it's not how service animals really work in real life, but I'm I'm abusing that sense of entitlement. What my animal can get for me, I guess. And uh, we hear the little sort of of the the pig, and uh, I'm trying to get my way as close as I can to this glass display case, and then I'll make my move. So, okay, trying to get to the drugs. I think I think it's probably fair to just roll the like kind of bottle this all up in one roll, kind of both using service animal and then banshee whale. Right. Um, I think it feels a little extreme to make you roll service animal to get up to the front. And then, I mean, it is the last ring. It could go wrong. It'd be great. Yeah. But like, there's still, I think going to be a contest roll between all of us. Mm -hmm. I feel like one roll is fair to kind of get yourself up here and destroy this glass with your uh, incredible vibrato. So skills that could work here. Snobbery. I could definitely see snobbery working with the approach that Allison is taking. Even cancel to some extent with like, this isn't necessarily your cancellation, but like, that's your end goal here. Uh, all right. Yeah. Cancel this one. Yeah. But I feel like snobbery works well here. Like you are definitely putting on airs all right. uh, with your service animal to move up. Light die for that. A dark die for the feet of hubris. Uh, Devil's Bargains. Maybe no matter what, shattering the glass causes some collateral damage, possibly not even necessarily to you, but like maybe some of the other visitors get injured uh, by this explosion of glass. Oh, yeah, let's make that worse. My parents are in the room, and the shattered glass takes out my parents. Like, mortal injury. I like it. Down they go. For Allison, that's somehow both like better and worse. I'm going to regret it for sure. Yeah, but I do. I love that. Like your parents. Yeah, your parents are seriously injured, possibly killed, or at the very least, severely maimed. There seems like a almost like a beautiful Ethan Frominess of like your parents not being killed, but being like wounded to a level where you have to move back to the farm and take care of them. That's amazing. I don't know what Ethan from is, but I love the idea of they're wounded enough that I have to go back to the farm and take care of them. Oh, it's a, it's an old, uh, old, like English lit, uh, like high school book that a lot of high school students have to read that just has this like awfully tragic ending. Yeah. All right. I'll go with that. The parents are so horribly wounded that I have to go back to the farm and take care of them. Excellent. Uh, So that's going to give you two light and a dark. Let's see how Allison does. Four light? Um, It's ring five. Let's add another dark and see what happens. All right. Oh, and dice are flying. A four dark, so I guess I stay at four. Done. Okay. So tell me, like, what does this look like? I'll let you start by telling, like, what this looks like as far as, like, shattering the glass and everything goes. All right. So. I've not interacted a lot with Iqbal, but in this moment where, you know, we're all there, Iqbal is sort of appraising Wagner as, as a pretty fine example of livestock stock, uh, like, you know, small for his size, but, but a decently formed pig. And I take that as praise, like overconfidence, like, ah, yes, I, I am the chosen one. This is my moment. And I, you know, 
place Wagner on the floor, leash and toe, and say, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, uh, make a clear path, I, I have a pig, and uh, try to work my way to the front, sort of just get get up to that sort of sweet spot where I can crack the glass with my voice. Excellent. Uh, and you let out this whale. It might be the finest high note you have ever hit. And I think with a four, there, there's a moment where you almost think it doesn't work. And you look for a moment dejected. But then you see fine little cracks begin to form in the glass. And I think that like the explosion happens in part because of your whale. But then also with the air conditioning breaking at this moment, it creates like a a sort of air vortex as like the air is kind of rushed out of this space as the, the air conditioning unit breaks. Uh, and it causes this glass to explode out in a way that you could never have anticipated. Um, and I think multiple members of the crowd are seriously injured as like glass shards of glass go flying everywhere and you see among the bodies that have hit the ground your parents and they're holding their chest it's their chest their bodies are just riddled with shards of broken glass and they're bleeding and crying and begging for for mercy uh but no mercy comes right now because all of these idols in this room are made of butter uh, and are beginning to slowly melt their faces dripping like hot wax. And in this moment we hear a choral sequence, sort of many voices saying, um, cha, um, cha, um, cha. And the milkmaidens begin to enter. <laughs> One of them holding in her hand, a, a first aid kit that you have made use of yourself. But they proceed forward, and this is when Iqbal makes his move, realizing there's there's no more time left to try to devour that, that butter statue and prove his, his true love. But this is also a great moment for Gordon to try and swap out a crown. Yeah. And a messy, buttery, 90-pound, slick mess yeah yeah this seems like a good time for a contest role yep so yeah i think gordon probably like uh, this scenario in general just lends itself immediately into misdirection like there is pure chaos um that gordon can kind of take advantage of in this dairy shed as the the milk maidens are tending to the wounded absolutely but tell me what the conspiracy theory is that you're putting forth oh let's see i think maybe in this particular scenario it's almost it's directed kind of specifically at iqbal uh because like everyone else is kind of distract already distracted so now i'm trying to kind of distract iqbal because i can see in his eyes he wants this statue uh, and so, uh, like, I'm trying to convince him of, like, the importance of dairy in the world to come. And, like, I'm like, listen, I know you, I know you want to eat this butter princess. I can, I can see it in your eyes. And I understand, but, like, 
that's just such a waste right now. We could freeze all of this butter and it's, it's melting away as we speak. We could freeze it and then have it for when everything breaks down. Cause I give it, I mean, at absolute most, we've got six months left. This government is so bloated. It is about to fall. Look at the gas prices and the supply line issues. Uh, it's all obviously a cabal of the hyper rich. And we need that butter, Iqbal, not them. We need this butter. Iqbal takes a giant buttery bite. Swallows with a, an inhuman ability, like people shouldn't be able to swallow that much oleogenous material that fast, that easily, after that many hot dogs. It's impressive. I have to give him credit. And he says, with a little bit of yellow trickling down his lips, Gordon, you need to live for the moment. I thought I taught you that at the dart booth. <laughs> oh. Oh, Iqbal. Um, um, I think that, I don't know how Gordon responds to that. Um, I think that he, Gordon's like, for a moment is almost swayed and thinks about how, like how much of his life has been living for the future, this future that like he's convinced is going to come, um, and how much maybe potential he's lost by not living for the moment. But I also think that Gordon has spent too many years to reverse this. So I think he's going to try and just like grab the butter sculpture, what's left of it. Like he's going to like just drop the, the uh, 12th place sculpture he has and try to grab the first place sculpture uh, and run. Nice. Where does the tiara go flinging? I don't know. Oh, how about this? In this, this altercation that you're having the, the tiara tumbles to the ground and rolls and Allison picks it up and places it upon her head and assumes a perhaps not properly regal stance I love it and be, begins singing extemporaneously about the, the glory of dairy and how sculpting it is just a, a belittling. It's it's not it's not what dairy is meant to be. Dairy is meant for toast, not for true art. And uh, this is how I am trying to smash my my rival. My sister is saying, "All you have sculpted this entirety is nothing more than a condiment." That's perfect. Just smash the very concept. Of butter carving competitions. I love it. I feel like that gives us a three-way contest. Like we're all yep. competing for our thing. Let's do it. All right. So a light die for a skill or that we have. Um, I think that I I think that Gordon has probably moved away from the like misdirection bit of it, and I think he's just trying to like grab it from Iqbal's hands so i don't think i have a skill that applies here really um hoarding maybe but i don't think i was about to, i was about to say buddy hoarding looks pretty pretty perfect right now this is my goddamn butter and i'm hoarding it for the future <laughs> yeah and i think there is an element of that but i don't know if it's enough for me to be comfortable taking a die for it i think that like 
Gordon just wants to take this from Iqbal now. All right. Um, and so it's even less about hoarding and more about taking it from Iqbal. I'll leave it up to you, but I feel like you've got the skill that earns it. So yeah, I think that uh, cancel for Allison is definitely an, a- an application here. Yep. Um, you are trying to cancel the entire system. Yep. And for Iqbal, consumption seems immediate. Yeah, he's he's trying to just shove it down his face. All right, so let's... What else do we have? Um, take a light die for each point of ruin. Ooh, I need more light dice. Let's... Do we want to, in fairness, give Iqbal an extra ruin or two? Uh, let's give him another one, yeah. I, I'm, I, if Iqbal wins, I'm happy. I have, you know, I have no qualms about Iqbal winning, honestly, if you want to... Yeah, because we're both at five, and Iqbal's kind of been a passive. Let's make him at five also. Yeah, we we haven't really uh, given him an opportunity to roll dice to get ruined. Right. And this so. is for sure the first time I've ever tried to play Trophy Dark with a sort of false NPC as a foil. I think the idea is great, but it's going to take me a while to get used to how to like how do I build them up into the mechanic. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to see this like fully mechanized. But for something like this, where you're getting dice for ruin it seems fair that he's at least close to the party yeah all right so one for skill we're at five for ruin and then we can take a dark dive it's inherently deadly or dangerous iqbal's consuming 90 pounds of butter so he's in danger yeah i am kind of not necessarily attacking iqbal but like getting into a little bit of a scrap all right with someone that I imagine is in significantly better shape than I am. And I'm thwarting the the ethos of the fair, so the fair goers might rip me to pieces, so I'll take a dark guy. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's fair for all of us. All right, and then that crazy part in the contest where <sighs> as many additional dark guys as you are willing to risk. What are the chances? If I take two extra dark dice... Uh, uh, that puts me at almost certain. Oh, you're mathing it. All right. Um, Ruin territory. I'm just thinking. I'm gonna take one extra dark die. I would like. I. Oh, one. I'm going. I'm going three. So I'm probably going out here. But here we go. Oh, what? All that. All right. I have one six, and I have two dark ones. So I am toast beyond toast. Oh no. Uh, let's see Iqbal really quick. So he gets, so he's getting what six for skill and ruin and then one dark die. Do we want to give him an extra dark die or just have him roll? Uh, Give him one more, maybe. Okay. Well, Iqbal, I think is going to be the winner because he has no ones on his dark dice. And has two sixes. Holy shit. Uh, whereas I have one six, but also one on the dark die. So I am also going up to six ruin. So Iqbal had two sixes? Two sixes and no ones. Iqbal's our winner. And I am ruined out to seven, so I'm I'm way out. All right. Can you describe our game all? So let's, I, I think maybe what makes the most sense is we can both narrate our kind of being. Yeah taken out and then we can describe Iqbal's glorious success. So what happens to Allison? So that that sort of final 
operatic crescendo that I hit trying to shatter the glass in that dramatic way that we've seen in movies doesn't work that way in real life, it turns out. When the glass shatters, it it embeds itself in your parents to your right, your sister to your left, and your own throat. Oh, no. Interfering with your ability to actually sing, as it turns out. And uh, it also ruffles the feathers of everybody who came to this festival to see the thing that wasn't you. And the crowd basically hauls me away like bodily. And Wagner, my pig, is trying to stay with me, supportive in this moment. And yet... I have undone my myself with my own hubris, frankly speaking. Like I, I should not have strived to achieve this. I should have been a relatively successful musician, but I pushed too hard in this sibling rivalry and dismantled my entire family. Oh, poor Allison. What about Gordon? I think that Gordon like runs up and is trying to get this statue away from Iqbal before Iqbal can consume it. And I think that like in that moment he's, he's wrestling uh, and he looks over and he sees uh, the dairy maiden from earlier who had patched him up and she gives him this kind of like sad smile seeing the part that he's played in destroying the kind of sacred nature of this festival, the celebration of dairy. And she's just disappointed in him in a way that reminds him of kind of everything that's been wrong with his life up to this point, his refusal to grow up, his, his clinging to this idea that maybe hoping that everything will end and some new hierarchy will be born will make him relevant in some way. Cause that's really what like he thinks is he understands at his core that he's irrelevant in this age. And the hope is that in the next age, maybe he could make himself relevant instead of like Iqbal said, like live in the moment and make yourself relevant now. Um, and he realizes seeing the disappointment in this butter maiden's eyes, just kind of what an abject failure he is and like what a disappointing life he's led. And I don't think he dies, but I think he becomes like a, a, a phantom of the fair Ooh. where he's just kind of always there. And like everyone has stories about this weird guy that they see walking around and like, you know, everyone thinks it's a ghost story. <laughs> he probably like cries most of the time he's walking through the fair. Uh, and like no one, none of the, the security guards kind of like him because, you know, we bonded. So like none of the security guards really try to kick him out. But he's just that story that fairgoers tell about like, oh, that, that weird guy was there again. Like we were going through the haunted house and he was just like sitting on the bench in the one room just weeping. God, that's amazing. All right, so how does Iqbal reign supreme and uh, achieve his goals? I think I like the idea that, like, you know, what he's doing is technically illegal, but there's all of this chaos that was caused by Gordon and Allison. And there's something about watching this person 
consume 90 pounds of butter that like brings the crowd together uh, and ends the chaos. And like, they're all just watching in amazement as he does this and like cheering him on, creating like a bond that subdues the chaos. So the crowd is chanting, churn, 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 churn. Yes. And I think that like that moment of him doing this amazing feat and bringing everyone together is enough to make the butter princess fall in love with him. Very nice. And the butter maidens are there to, to witness this sort of romantic spectacle. I like that. I like that. Maybe the butter maidens after patching everyone up come and like, Iqbal's a little bit disheveled because Gordon kind of attacked him and they like, they surround him and they like fix his butter prince sash. Yes. And they like pull it down and smooth it out and they like take turns combing his hair to present him to the butter princess. Yes. And now picturing all these milkmaidens secretly had like a little like a red cross sort of patch on their shoulder the whole time. We just didn't witness it quite. The milkmaidens and the first aid tent are actually the same run by the same right. The same group. Same charity organization. Yeah. Good for Iqbal. Yeah. This was fantastic. Yeah, this was so good. I I had a ton of fun playing it before, but I like I think no offense to my players in the other game, I like this even more. It is just such a slick uh excursion. Thank you. So yeah, uh just kind of like back end matter. Uh this is on Kickstarter right now as you're listening. And so if you enjoyed this romp of gastronomic horror and sadness, very sad ends. <laughs> Definitely go to Kickstarter and find Butter Princess and back it. Uh at the time that you're listening to this, you're gonna have at least two more weeks to do so. And it's already back, so you know you're gonna get it and you're gonna get the PDF as soon as the campaign's over and then Hopefully the final book's not too long afterwards. Yep. Brian, thank you so much for coming on and playing this. This was uh, a ton of fun. Thank you, Blaine. This was brilliant. And and the idea of switching a trophy dark game to a sort of a collaborative 1v1 is amazing. I, I really love how this played out. I want to kind of go back and analyze all the other trophy dark scenarios to see what else will work in this method. I think it has a lot of potential. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see what you do with it. It is. I, I do. I really enjoy these one-on-one games. I think there's something interesting that, you know, I enjoy big group games too, but like there's something fun that comes in like this kind of close collaboration. Absolutely. But yeah, just so to wrap up, uh, where can people find you on the inter- internet? Oh, good grief. I, I don't use it well enough. I know that feeling. Yes, I am on Twitter. Yes, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. But in terms of finding me, I can't just rattle it off the top of my head. I'll make sure to add it to the show notes uh, so people can come find you. Hey, look for Butter Princess. You'll probably find me. Yeah, that's true, too. Right now, you can just search Butter Princess, and you'll find a bunch of people talking about the game, but they will also find you. Uh, and you've been releasing fun, interesting historical tidbits about some of this wild stuff that's uh, actually real. Uh, so it's worth it's worth uh, listeners to go find Brian on Twitter and learn how weird the Minnesota State Fair is. But yeah, so go check this out on Kickstarter, and I highly recommend it. And the, the physical copy, as I've said before, is gorgeous. So 
it'll look cool on your bookshelf uh, in addition to being something fun for your tables. Thank you to Brian for designing such a cool game and agreeing to play it one-on-one with me. And thank you to you for listening. Butter Princess has over two weeks left on the Kickstarter. If you liked what you heard, head on over to the Kickstarter and back it. Your gaming friends will thank you. Until next time, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful. And you are not alone.